Welcome everyone to Comics from the Multiverse, episode 247. I am Peter, and unfortunately, Matt cannot be with us today. Nothing to worry about, uh, he's just getting some new floors put in that his wife decided to spring on him. Very last minute. He, he, he was not too happy about it, even though he's been warning us for like three weeks that, yeah, this this could happen at any point. Yes, yes. I think it was a bit more abrupt for him than he was expecting, though. Uh, so, Matt will be back next week. Uh, Connor, of course, obviously is here, uh, but fear not, because the balance will be restored when Connor is missing next week, and Matt will be here. So, we will restore the balance of... Yes, but barring any major flooring mishaps on Matt's end. <laughs> I mean, it's fine, maybe, maybe I'll just be on the show at an angle next week if the floor's, uh, like, yeah. lopsided. It'll be halfway through it. <laughs> This is DC Comics Podcast. We talk about the books that we read this week from DC Comics. Coming up on this week's show, we have The Flash 768, which is the start of the new run, the the, the, the Infinite Frontier run, if you will, if you want to call it that. Uh, we have, bizarrely, Future State Superman Imperious Lex issue 3, because they wanted... Future State never dies. Because they wanted to have 52 issues of Future State, and uh, apparently... Wait, was that the reason? I don't know. I don't know if some. I think it was David that said that to me. I don't know if he was just joking or if he'd actually counted and it worked out to be fifty-two, and therefore assumed that that was why they added this extra one. Look, <laughs> if if this is the fifty-second issue of Future State, <laughs> if that is true, this book deserves an extra point. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, we also have Batman Catwoman issue four, and we have Strange Adventures issue nine. Uh, to end the main books, but we got a couple of Patreon books to do. Connor will be talking about Green Lantern season two, issue twelve, and I'll be talking about Animal Man issue seven. At least I think it was issue seven. I'll be honest; I just go to the next issue in the trade. <laughs> Either way, they're both Grant Morrison issues. Oh, that's a good point. Yeah, that's a Grant Morrison double at the end of the uh, end of the show. Uh, so yeah, that's what's coming up. That's coming up. We got some news too, so that's the thing. Uh, and there was a variety of DC movie news this week as well. Uh, I'll just quickly recap it here. Uh, I already talked about it during the week, but uh, Black Adam did get a release date for uh, July 2022. Yep. So that's the thing. Um, they officially cancelled, or at least announced, they were no longer working on a couple of movies. Uh, New Gods, uh, which I wasn't that fussed about at first, uh, until I saw Eva DuVernay post like, a, a thing on Twitter about how she was working with Tom King on the script and how she's sad that they won't get to like. Do you do not it. know that? Um, I think I might have known it and forgotten about it. Yeah, yeah, because I think we might have spoke about it on the but, show at some point, because they did announce it a while ago. There's so many news with these movies, I forget most of what they've said. It's it's hard to, like, actually bother taking any of it in, because so many of them just don't really exist. These included yeah. now. Yes, and The Trench is the uh, uh, the other one. Uh, so that, those two are just kind of gone. And there was another Suicide Squad trailer, uh, bizarrely, with a couple of different bits and pieces uh, and then Pete actually watched the first Suicide Squad trailer as well. Uh, I did. I watched it ages ago. Yeah, but you didn't watch it in time for us to talk about it last week. Because I forgot it existed. All right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Shambles. So, yeah, that's what it is. Uh, so, yes, that was... That was actually, that was all DC movie news this week. There, there was a, a few random spatterings of things. Uh, more interesting, we have essentially one news item to talk about, but it's shockingly packed as a news item because of all of the descriptions that I'm going to have to tell you about. So, DC are doing this weird thing. They're doing this weird thing. 
where they're letting the audience essentially vote in a tournament-style bracket for... Yes, despite DC's insistence of calling it a round robin, for obvious reasons, it is not a round robin. Uh, no, it's not a round robin, no. Uh, I'll be honest, I didn't even realise that's what we're calling it yet until you said that. Uh, but, uh, because I, I just saw the image and said that looks like a normal tournament. A normal, you know, eliminator <laughs> tournament. It, it, that's because that's what it is. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, uh, I'll just read the article here a little bit just to get a bit more information in this. Uh, so, crowdsourcing the development of new comic book series, potential new series include a bunch of things. I'll re- I'll, the, 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 all of them have, like, solicit pitches, so I'm going to read all those in a minute. Uh, so... Making the announcement just under the wire to qualify as March Madness. So I guess they did this right before the end of March, technically. March 31st is when yeah. they put this up. Yeah. Uh, so readers are going to participate in polls on the DC Universe Infinite platform. So you can't do this on Twitter. This is you have to be on DC Universe Infinite to vote on this. Uh, Which is strange, because they are running these polls on Twitter as well. They are. Are they, are they counting the votes, though? I, they... do, I don't know. That's weird. I mean... Because uh, I voted for them on Twitter. I, 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 it says DC Universe yeah, it says DC Universe Infinite uh, DC Infinite I'm just going to call it DC Infinite it's a mouthful to say the whole thing it DC is. Infinite's platform uh, here and when I first saw the tweet go out earlier in the week that's what I saw too so uh, hmm. I mean even though it sounds easy enough to just do they did uh, they did just do one of these on um, on DC Infinite to name the dog in Nightwing okay uh, I feel sorry for the poor Lara who had to do different drafts or not know what they were using until quite late on, I guess, in, in the scripts. Actually, you but, just... I mean, surely if, if say the comic just has one bubble where they name the dog, finally, uh, all, all they have to do is change one word. Oh, sure, but if it's referred to multiple times... Yeah, but I think if they know they're doing this vote, they'll be wise and not overuse the name in the first issue yeah. it's going to be used I in. believe uh, I believe Haley uh, won uh, uh, for the, the poll for that. It was like, I think it was like Haley Hope. Uh, and there was a couple of other things that were there. Yeah, that's okay, I guess. Uh, uh, yeah. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not super pumped about it, but not that I cared too much either. Uh, so, yeah, they're breaking this down. So round one is March 31st through the 7th of April. So right now, basically, go and vote if you want to. Uh, and then basically, it, it basically just starts right up afterwards. And then 8th through 15th is round two. Uh, and then there's a gap. And then on the 5th of May through the 13th of May. 13th of May is a very important day. Uh, but that's uh, round three. And then round four is the 20th of May through 27th. So there's no actually there's not actually a gap between round one and two. Round two starts right after round one. But then there's a, some gaps in between the other rounds afterwards. So, uh, yeah, I'm just going to read you. So the sixth... Just, just before you get on to yeah? the actual descriptions, I just want to put this as a, as a whole, like an idea. I think I kind of hate it. Like... <laughs> I, I get like I get why they're doing. You know, I get oh, you know, we get to be involved. You know, there's all these pitches, and it's it's cool. But this is kind of their job, and I feel ter- I feel awful for any of the creators who are involved in these, who have pitched these projects to DC, and then it's down to basically a Twitter poll as to whether or not they get a job. That's miserable. It's a marketing gimmick. I, I don't. I have no idea what the behind the scenes steps it took to get to this choice. I don't know if this is 16 pitches that they didn't really know what to do with because they're all just kind of sitting there at the bottom of a, a bucket and thought, you know what, let's just do a vote and we'll do one of them, right? 
Otherwise, none of them would be happening. If that's the case, it's like, well, I mean, there's something fun to do with them, at least. Um, if it is a case of they made people pitch things for the purpose of doing a tournament, I mean, on the one hand, it's better in the sense that all the creators pitching things know that there's only a 1 in 16 chance, potentially, <laughs> of the book actually happening. Uh, is that better or worse odds than normal? I don't know. <laughs> but... No, I, I get the cynical part of me, though, is that they received a bunch of pitches recently for Infinite Frontier. You know, creators are like, "Here, I got an idea." You That's know. very possible. And then, and then they've gone, "Oh, this feels like a lot of work to try and whittle these down to how many we can actually publish." Let's 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 just leave it up to the, the public, and that's kind of what it feels like in a lot of ways. I think that's that's almost too cynical. It might uh, well be. Of, of a way to think about it, because I I don't necessarily think that they're looking to have a few easier days at work by not having to decide what they're publishing. That sounds really weird to me. I feel like this is more... I mean, it could just be a bunch of leftover pitches that people did for Infinite Frontier. I, I can see that. T I mean, the timing especially, it could, that could totally be what these all are. But uh, it's one of these things, though, where I get the feeling it's either this is what's happening to do with a bunch of pitches that they weren't going to do anything with. So effectively, what will happen that wouldn't have happened otherwise uh, would be my Possibly. guess. Given, given what some of them are, I'm not so sure. But we'll get through that. Um, Worth noting, they're not telling us any of the creative teams in the first round. They're not telling us them until uh, until round two. Which is funny, because I would vote almost entirely. But, well, actually, do you know what that makes me think? It makes me think that some of the creators have got two... Like, two of these will be the same person. Possibly. I think there's, at the very least, one project that I I would put money on who who I know is writing that book. And we'll get to that uh, just based off of context. Sure. Um. So, I don't... Like, you hate it. I wouldn't I say I hate it. I'd, I would say I'm wildly indifferent to this. Uh, which is, I don't really care about stuff like this where there's interaction, where they want us to vote and be a part of the process. I, I like, I am not going to... Maybe once the creatives are announced and I actually have an opinion of, like, wait, no, I actually want to read this book now. But... Right now, I, I could not give a shit about voting for this. <laughs> it just... I, I mean, I did, because... Uh, be, or I did on Twitter. I will do the, the DC Infinite version as well, if that's the one that counts. Um, because some of them sound pretty interesting. Not all of them, but some of them, for sure. Sure, yeah. Um, but, I don't know. It just feels like you're a publisher. Do your job. And this it, it feels like a really... Like, it's going to backfire like in, in a lot of ways. Like, they'll... I, I don't see any way that only one of these gets published. I, I, I think at least a good handful of them, and this, they're just trying to gauge interest. Okay, I, 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 don't, I, I don't think it'll have the best reception. I honestly think your your view of this is wrong, even though I still, I'm still negative on it. I think you're a publisher, do your job. And that's not what this is. This is not a way for them not to do their job. This is a marketing gimmick. This, I, I'm going to be cynical about this, but I'm not going to be cynical about it in the same way that you are. I think this is just purely a marketing gimmick to try and drum in, up interest in a bunch of things, and whatever. No, I, I don't think this has anything to do with them trying to make their lives easier. I, I agree that it's also a marketing gimmick, for sure. Um, I think it's going to backfire. Like if you, On the, the Twitter post for the, the actual the, the thread with all of these in, every reaction was just kind of like what mine is. Like, what the hell are you doing? This is just terrible. I, I think they have misjudged the tone of this pretty badly for most people. 
yeah. Uh, I mean, it could be a case of, you know, maybe the winner gets an ongoing... <laughs> Especially and... as there's, there's one of the books in here where, like, it's, okay, this is a clear book for representation and diversity, and you're pitching it against books that clearly DC fans are going to vote for. And it's like, and, and it feels like we're going, well, you, you didn't want the diverse book. You voted against it. it, 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 it there's bits like that where this just feels like a mistake. I was halfway through a sentence and then I was rudely interrupted. Uh, to finish the thought I was having, which was not that even that important a thought, but I was just saying that maybe they'll do a thing where the winner gets like an ongoing in, like the, the, like the, the quarterfinalists will all get minis or something silly like that. Uh, it's possible. Oh, yeah. I don't know. I it's um, it's I don't know. I I I am very indifferent to when companies decide to try and do things like this. I'm not really that interested. It doesn't really matter what the medium is. Um, I I'm not. I'm not a big interaction type of fan. I'm just not. And I realize the irony of that because a lot of what we do here is me trying to convince people who listen to this podcast to interact with us more. And I appreciate that I'm not one of those people and I never have been. So I understand why some people just listen to the show every week and they don't talk to us ever. They never tweet at us. They never do it. Maybe they hit like on YouTube or something, which is kind of anonymous and no one ever knows that you're the one who's done it. Because I get it. I'm kind of that person in a lot of ways. I'm not a... A reach out to people's thing not that this is reaching out in a, a you know a big way like that but this is kind of just an extension of that where uh, I, I'm, I'm just not like a big interactive thing where i'm like you know um i think especially since there's like 16 pitches and only one th- in theory now admittedly i agree they'll probably go back in this later but in theory as it's pitched only one of them will actually get to exist I think if it was if it was more a case of, oh, I don't know, uh, let's say instead of an eliminator tournament, it was like, ah, oh, you know, like everything will vote and then whatever the, the top five, you know, like scoring pitches will all get made, right? And that's a bit easier to swallow maybe because it's like, oh, there's a nice batch of books happening now. It's not just mm. one in 15 losers or something. Uh, but that said, though, I don't feel strongly about this at all. So... I, I can't even... Obviously, you came in here with the, I hate this, and I want to rant about it. And I'm basically disputing for the sake of... Slash, a, devil's advocate, but B, just sort of conversation. <laughs> but, but, your job. but ultimately, I am wildly indifferent to this existing. Um, Let's see if you're wildly indifferent to the books themselves. Well, find out. I've not read these in advance. I'm going to. I, I intentionally. I knew these existed. These descriptions, and I intentionally did not read them, uh, so that I could just react on the show. Uh, so, bracket one. Green Lanterns Underworld on Fire. Okay. A deadly outfit of space outlaws are raising the intergalactic underworld sector by sector, under the command of a disruptive new kingpin. In search of an ancient payday worth becoming the target of every power player in the galaxy, including Sinestro. Green Lanterns Kyle Rayner and Kilowog are put on the case, but will Kyle be able to do this one by the book when he finds out who's behind it all? Uh, so right away we have a Kyle Rayner Kilowog book, which means, okay, this, this should win. Uh, like, that's just fact, right away. Or one entry in. <laughs> I want to give you half a point there. I mean, Kilowog book? Oof, I'm there. And Sinestro, to be fair, Sinestro's involved. That's true, yeah. Like, two out of three. 
three out of three, I think you'll find. Uh, in fact, I'm going to say four out of three because the lack of Guy Gardner gets a point. So four out of three. <laughs> He's the one behind it all. <laughs> oh, it better not be. It better not be. Uh, I mean, it's such fine. I, I think what gets me about this is that it, it kind of, I mean, I, I suppose a lot of miniseries do kind of end up sounding like this unless they're wildly different. But this, to me, sounds like an arc that could just be in an ongoing Green Lantern book. It doesn't necessarily need to be a thing on its own. <sighs> I think, like you say, that is true for any mini that 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 falls under characters that have ongoings as well. Yeah, or just anything that's in continuity. Like, and obviously not everything. Like, because Kale and you know Kale aren't necessarily in an ongoing book right now, but they've been in ongoing books before, so we know what it feels like to have an it, ongoing it would, book. It would absolutely characters. fit in a Green Lanterns book, but to the same extent that uh, Tom Taylor's upcoming Batman book could have just. Theoretically, it could have been an arc in Batman, and you wouldn't have questioned it. Uh, not true. True. Uh, I mean, the reason for that, that, I suppose, at that point, is just because, oh, well, there's a run going on, and we're not going to interrupt the run to give Tom Taylor an arc, so... Right, and uh, to be fair, there is a Green Lantern book starting, like, next week. That is, yes, but we have said many a time there is room for more than one Green Lantern book. Uh, yes, yes, there yeah. is. I guess what I'm saying, I, I, the point I'm really trying to make here is that it doesn't sound like a special idea that requires a special individual book that will sell, you know, hardcovers in the future. It sounds like a run-of-the-mill Green Lantern plot that would be in an ongoing, that's fine as part of an ongoing, but isn't... I agree. Whatever. It doesn't sound like a particularly special mini or anything like that. That said, though, it's up against Etta Candy, Holiday Hero Incorporated, I, I, I mean, I don't know what this is going to be before I read it. I, f- I feel bad for this book already. Yeah, I mean, yeah, like, because like, Kyle Rayner has fans, right? I mean, I know Connor and Matt like to shit on him, but Kyle Rayner does have fans, as, the, of course, the Sinestro and Kilowog. In fact, just Green Lantern as an idea has a pretty big fan base, and you're putting Etta Candy on our own thing up against that. I feel like this is destined to, to lose, but here's a description. On summer break from Holiday College... An accident grants Eta Candy her very... Wait, so this is young Eta Candy, I assume. <laughs> I don't know, based off of the rest of it. Okay. Uh, from Holiday College, an accident grants Eta Candy her very own superpowers, taking on the new superhero mantle of Candy Stripe. Okay, that's a good name. Okay, uh... <laughs> Has that been used before? Is, this, is that a new thing? I don't know. Yeah. I'm not familiar with it. Uh, Eta joins forces with Wonder Woman and Amanda Waller, uh, and uh, her Bia Lambda... Sorority Sisters. That sounds like a, a continuity nonsense thing. It does. It does, yeah. That sounds like a bunch of college-age versions of all these characters. Uh, and clearly the sorority thing I have never heard of because I didn't know how to pronounce it. Uh, <laughs> sisters also, create- I decided because it, it, it's presumably based off, you know, Greek letters should be Beta Lambda, surely. But, you know, whatever. I know, I know, I know you read it right because they spelt it that way. Yeah, they put it with two E's. They did, yes. Uh, I'm not hey, disputing hey. your... your uh, let me reading. make this very clear. If I see the word B-E-T-A, I say beta. That's not... Correct. Well, right. yeah. Not beta, like some yeah. people do. And they're incorrect. Uh, anyway, so it's all girls agencies sworn to protect and assist anyone in need. Woo-woo, as the end of the description reads. Uh, in all caps, put the correct emphasis in. <laughs> see, I see that. I just want to do Ric Flair woos. Okay? They're too long. How do you know what a Ric Flair woo is? Because I'm on the internet. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> yeah, that's too many O's. That's too many O's. 
<laughs> oh dear. Um, I, mean, I suppose as we go here, which one of these wins for you? Is a thing we can do. Yeah, uh, sure. I mean, despite my reluctance to vote for anything involving Carl Rayner, <laughs> it, it, it kind of has to be the Green Lantern book here, doesn't it? Uh, Although I imagine I would have fun with the Etta book as well if it, if once it existed. I think that that Etta book, if I saw a writer for it, it would maybe change my mind completely because cer- a certain name attached to that book would work well for me. However, based on just the premise alone, I want a Green Lantern adventure with with these characters that I know. Yeah, the Etta book sounds like a, a wonderful, like a you know one of the, like an all ages graphic novel though. Oh, I can see that. I can see that. All right, bracket number two. The Brave and the Bug, Crisis on Infinite Ambush. You know what? It's a great title. I'll give it... Uh, before I read anything else, mm-hmm. that's a good title. <laughs> yep. Ambush Bug must team up... The mush must team up with some of DC's greatest heroes to survive an attack by revenge-seeking ambush bugs from across the multiverse who never got to exist thanks to AP's refusal to be rebuked. <laughs> This sounds fun. It sounds better than I thought it was going to. And even though it had a good title, I still wasn't expecting to be into it. But it sounds okay, actually. Yeah. Uh, that's going up against Zatanna and the King of Nightmares. Come on. Something is terribly wrong with Zatanna's powers, but before she can heal herself, she is forced to confront her worst fears in a strange new spiritual realm, ruled by the terrifying otherworldly foe known as the King of Nightmares. That that more than any, I need creative teams on both of you. I need to know who's I, writing these two. <laughs> I, I, I get where you come from. Yeah, I actually think this Satana book might be Rambi, based on the okay. fact that. Um, so obviously, we've only had like one ten-page half an issue of his Justice League Dark yes. in you know the, the the current stuff after the excellent uh, issue by Bendis. Yes, sure, whatever. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, no, I'm getting, not even getting into that it's not what we're here for but that was definitely teasing stuff being wrong with Zatanna's powers and that there might be something coming up with that so that that this already feels like this would fit really nicely into what Ramby's doing there an expansion mm-hmm. upon that so again I could be wrong he could be just you know someone else could be just running with it that what he said but it wouldn't shock me if this was a Ram V book. The funny thing is, is I, I'm loving Ram V right now, but based on you saying that, I would pick the other one because I'm not reading Justice League Dark and I'm not super That's understandable. So I, I, yeah, I mean, maybe it'll stand on its own as its own little mm-hmm. kind of horror Zatanna mini, which it, it very well could do based on that description. Yes, but on the little information we have, I'd have to go with the, uh, the Crisis on Infinite Ambush. I mean, I wouldn't be me if I didn't vote for Zatanna, so... We can dream, though. <laughs> you can dream all you want. I can dream of this book winning. We'll see. We'll see. Bracket number three. Lobo, Animal Man, Scorched Earth. How, how have I ever been handed something that is equally good and bad at the same time? What the well, hell? I'm going to like you know tell you right now, uh, this is the weakest bracket. Okay, well... All. Well, let me read this uh, description. Lobo, the name makes entire alien races collectively wet themselves with fear. The main man is proudly hyper-violent, arrogant, loud, stubborn, impatient, and ill-tempered. I was trying to think of someone else to joke about and say, that sounds like so-and-so, but ultimately the hyper-violent part just kind of made it not as funny. (laughs) I mean, mostly Matt. (laughs) 
Uh, the best thing about him is that after he completes his contract, he leaves until now. So Animal Man's in the title. This is a, a, a dual build book that equalizes Lobo and Animal Man in the name. However, Animal Man <laughs> is not mentioned. Does not get a single mention in that pitch. <laughs> Which says to me that he might not show up until the last page of issue one of whatever this book is. But then it'll be an equal oh. part from that point on. Would be my guess. Yeah. Yeah. That would be my guess. Uh, so as much as I want more Animal Man content, uh, it's hard to get behind this based on this, and based on the fact as well that Lobo is, you know, he's always Lobo. And and also you've got like a magnificent Animal Man run that you're only just scratching the surface of to, that, to keep true. going for a little while yet. Uh, the other book that's up against is Son of the Creeper. An awkward teenager's life is turned upside down when he inherits his dad's chaotic powers. With his family in danger, Kieran Miller must save a father he doesn't know from the monster he's become. I mean, this bracket just screams it exists because there has to be something that can easily be beat in the next round. <laughs> it does, doesn't it? <laughs> this is so the next round has an easy victory for something else. Because Pro- I'm assuming this is up against bracket winner four, of bracket four. Which we'll, yeah, we'll get to in a second. Yeah. Uh, I feel like this is a... Uh, uh, null and void right away this bracket neither of these are winning i'm willing to call it yeah i'm willing to call it i'm okay with that so yes but uh, well after you're, if you're picking though like which one are you, are you taking uh, probably lobo animal man there's at least a little bit of something there i guess i mean mm-hmm. I, I like the creeper well enough when he appears but i've never wanted to have a story exploring his son, you know, and you know, and getting those powers. It's never, hmm. never been something I've ever thought of. All right, uh, I, yeah, I think I just go for Lobo Animal Man because Animal Man, but it's it's based on that and nothing else essentially from that. Pretty much, yeah. Uh, bracket four, Justice League queer. You know, GLQ is actually a pretty cool acronym if they ever. Yeah, and that is what they're actually using uh, yeah. in the bracket. If they, were st- if they wanted to stick with that, like a, a, an all LGBT, you know, version of the Justice League, call it, L- you know, JLQ. That's pretty cool. JL uh, Cool. Cool. What the hell was that supposed to be? Eight young queer heroes investigate a series of monstrous manifestations around the world and discover that something much more terrifying is coming. Very vague. <laughs> but, sure. It is very vague. And, and this is where... I, f- I feel bad for this book because the odds of it winning overall are pretty slim. Let's be honest. Against some of the the heavily DC titles that are here, well, it's up against Robins, which just from the title alone feels like it would go quite far. Uh, here's the description: In Bloodhaven's, uh, sorry, in the Bloodhaven apartment of Dick Grayson, a group of young people meets meets. I guess I've mistaken. No, text. a group of young people meets for coffee. A group of young people meet for coffee. I guess. I don't know. I, 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 I would have had without the S, but whatever. I think you can do it either way. Meet for coffee, donuts, and... What? Fetching? I don't Fetching? know what that is either. Uh, Shall I Google it? Some weird American thing that we don't know about? Fetching? I assume that's a silent K. I mean... Fetch. Uh, fet- what is it? Uh, it's a Yiddish word. It means to complain. Oh, okay. So they're complaining, basically. All right, okay. All right. Uh, the only thing they have in common, all were once kid wonders, say kicks to Batman. 
I mean, this is the thing. You tell me the pitch for this book is that a bu- all the ex-Robins essentially hang out and, like, like complain about Batman. <laughs> I actually kind of like the sound of that book. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, unfor- also, I, I feel like this is a slightly different pitch to the one I read on the Twitter thing, because that mentioned them being hunted. Oh, I'm sure. Well, I mean, I assume the plot has to go somewhere. Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah, but like the because I yeah. I just assumed this article just you know copy and pasted the 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 uh just the text. Um, no, no, uh, no, no. So the 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 other one actually says you know uh, a small group meets at Dick Grayson's apartment, but what's brought them here isn't that they're all former psychics to Batman, it's that they're being hunted by one claiming to be the first. Okay, I'm still intrigued by that. Yeah, yeah. Um. Yeah, I. That's just frustrating. I mean, I think out of these two, unfortunately, I, like just based on what I already care about, I'd have to pick the Robins book. I feel kind of bad for doing it though. Uh, exactly. Yeah, uh, I'm the same. Like as a as a DC fan, it's like yeah, that Robin sounds exactly what a lot of DC fans would love. I think for fun, at the end of this, when I'm done reading them all out, uh, I want to go back and like say we can pick five each of what we green light. If we if we were given these sixteen, what five would we green light? Because I think that's more okay. interesting than a. But we'll we'll. Pick obviously out the matches as we go. Uh, so that's Justice League Queer and Robins. Bracket five. Pause off the Justice League. Okay. Uh, when the Justice League disappears, Jimmy Olsen and the Super Pets must save the world from certain doom by posing as the missing league. I feel like this is pandering to certain people. Here, I right? feel like this would be so much fun. I mean, I can already see Matt Fraction in the corner. I was just going to say, if you've got like, Matt Fraction <laughs> writing this book, oh, yes. Uh, alternatively, it's up against Jesse Quick Control. When Jesse Quick uses her speed to access an alien artifact from a long-dead civilization, she finds herself imbued with the ability to harness and control the elements around her as her former super speed is drained. But when the power begins to corrupt Jesse, she must decide to give up those gifts or risk becoming quite literally her own worst enemy. Uh, that's conflicting that one because I think on the one hand the idea of a Jesse Quick mini sounds really good because Jesse Quick as far as far as like a spotlight goes not had much of it in a long ass time nope <laughs> so but on the other hand I don't know if the premise that they've given me here sounds like what I want from a Jesse Quick it's not Quick. super compelling is it no uh, the sad thing is though is I look at these two things like I don't know if it's a clear cut victory for either one I think on the one hand Jimmy Olsen and the Super Pets are quite popular so that might get them the victory. On the other hand, though, long-time Flash fans who really like Jesse Quick might propel this to victory because they care about Jesse Quick. This one's so I'll look l- at like where they are at, at the minute. Sure, sure. And, and the just this is just based on the Twitter polls. Uh, I'll just recap real quickly. Uh, the Green Lanterns book is winning at seventy-three point nine percent of the vote on there. That's surprising. Zatanna is winning at seventy-eight point seven percent against uh, Brave and the Bug. That's a shame, but also not surprising. Uh, Lobo Animal Man is winning at 63%, so it's the closest so far. That's because no one knows what to pick. <laughs> um, sh- uh, interesting how close it is. Robbins is winning, but only at 55%. I'm not surprised by that. I think Robbins will still win, but I completely expect that the queer like, comic community would be rallying around this. Uh, yeah, yeah, they're going to show up in force, and it may not be enough, but I, I, I'm not surprised it's actually putting up enough of a fight. I'm not yeah. surprised. <laughs> Uh, and on this one, uh, Jesse Quick is winning currently at fifty-eight point eight percent. And all right, so by the way, like these are still like, like most of them are about seventeen, eighteen thousand. 
uh, votes up to maybe 20,000. It is notable that the JLQ one is in the 30, like 33,000 votes on Twitter so far, like noticeably higher than all the others. So, yeah, it just backs up what we just said about the community yeah. kind of going in on it. Um, yeah, so that's one's tough for me. I, I think if you just told me the titles, I'd be more for the Jesse Quick book, but the premises, I think, make me lean towards the, the pause off the Justice League book more. I, I don't think it's any surprise that for me that's an easy win for, for pause off the Justice League, right? Yeah. I'm, I'm not feeling like super hyped about it though. So, I mean, you know. I am. If, if, if it's someone like Matt Fraction on that book, well, no, I, shit. I, I just mean I'm not super hyped about the decision is what I mean. Okay, not the book. I'm, I'm just, I don't feel strongly about it because uh, there's something to like and but mm. potentially not like in both. Uh, yeah. Uh, bracket six, we got Blue Beetle Graduation Day. I assume this is Jaime Reyes, it is. Uh, trapped between heroics and his future, Jaime Reyes is directionless. When the Reach interrupt Jaime's high school graduation, things only get worse. Starfire becomes a new mentor to Blue Beetle. Well, so, Connor's voting for this one. Uh, but it is Jaime or the Scarab that's really the dri- in the driver's seat, and why hasn't Jaime applied to any colleges? So this, that just sounds like a natural like follow-up to all of his ongoings where, oh, okay, we're going to tell the story of him finishing high school because it's just a natural thing to do. It feels like the, the next thing yeah. to do with, with, with Jaime, right? Um, yeah. Why wouldn't you do that story at some point? So that just makes sense. It was like a natural follow-up. It wouldn't even su- surprise me, if I forget the name now, but the, the, the writer who worked on all those ongoings. Giffen. Uh, Giffen, yeah. It wouldn't surprise me if Giffen was the one that was lined up for that. Mm, uh possible. Lasking up against Night Runner, Love in Paris. All of Paris is obsessed with intoxicating virtual songstress whose holographic stage show are lighting up the city of love. But when the vocaloid, I hate that, <laughs> when the fans start to disappear, uh, Night Runner must track down the infamous developer behind the eerily realistic celebrity AI. Do you know who, who Night Runner is? Do you remember who Night Runner is? I actually don't. Who is Night Runner? I believe I could be wrong here, but I'm pretty sure he's the uh, the French Batman from Batman Inc. stuff. Oh, Blue Beetle. I'm I'm picking Blue Beetle. <laughs> I mean, is it? Yeah, yeah. I mean, <laughs> I, I'm 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 partial to Blue Beetle anyway. Mm-hmm. Uh, then you tell me the Starfire is in this book as well. <laughs> yes, obviously. Yeah. Uh, and for the record, people agree with us with at the minute with Blue Beetle winning at seventy point two percent, which I don't think it's a surprise, given I doubt many people know who Night Runner is off the top of their heads. Yeah, I think that's fair. So, there you go. Uh, bracket 7, Swamp Thing, A House of Secrets. Sounds promising, just from the title. Uh, when love will not die, the dead must rise from the grave to kill it. Louisiana, 1905. Caught in an eternal triangle of love and living death, the monstrous Alex Olsen his widow Linda, and his undead rival Damien, uh, v, or v, vie for the control of the cursed swamp where life, death, and past, and the future spiral into one never-ending nightmare. So clearly that's not obviously Alec Holland or any of the current swamp things that we, that we know. No, like I said, it's set in 1905. Yeah. This kind of reminds me of um, one part, the Lemire question book, Mm-hmm. Uh, another part like the the dead man uh prestige mini we had a few years ago that was really good yeah the mysteries in the house of love or whatever it was called yeah um it feels like it's kind of 
kind of sitting alongside those books in terms of what it's going for, this type of book it'll be. Uh, I could be completely wrong. I'm going off very little here. I mean, I don't, I don't expect it's Lemire, but it wouldn't surprise me if it was Lemire. We know Lemire has some black label books coming up. Um, yeah, but you don't put Lemire books in a vault. You just give Lemire the books. <laughs> you do if you're going to just greenlight them, uh, a bunch of them anyway. Yeah. Uh... So yeah, so that, that sounds interesting. Obviously, it's not a lot to go on what these new characters are, but the idea of a Swamp Thing story in the South in 1905 is a little intriguing, I think, from a certain mm-hmm. perspective. That's going up against Suicide Squad 7. Uh, and before I read this, I'm just going to say, based on the title, I'm expecting a Seven Samurai-esque plot to this, so I might be disappointed when I read this. Uh Harley Quinn leads a team of criminals, a millionaire adventurer, a stage magician, a sugar-obsessed serial killer, a delusional former superhero, a drunk assassin, a mute metahuman, and a child who becomes a monster to stop the centuries-old Church of Blood from trying to destroy all of humankind. Do you know what that was describing? <laughs> do you mean, do I recognize all the names that she's... Just in general, at least, you know, like, is it ringing bells? Uh, Church of, I mean, is that is that Brother Blood is talking about? Church of Blood is yeah. Brother Blood, yeah. yeah. Um, but in general, the the rest that's the uh, Seven Soldiers. Oh, that's what the, oh, that's what that's what they're describing. Okay. Yeah, so it's a Suicide Squad Seven Soldiers crossover, essentially. Uh, well, that makes sense given the title. Um, I mean, I'm not, I'm not, that fam- I'm not that you know familiar with the Seven Soldiers, so uh, mm. I would never. If anything, if I had tried to go back and work out who each of these descriptions were, I'd have maybe applied. I don't know. I don't know who I'd have said for Sugar Obsessed Serial Killer. Mute Meta Human, I might have went with like Ragdoll or something. <laughs> like, I don't know. Sure. Stage uh, musician, you probably go Zatara. Yeah, yeah, maybe. Oh, on Suicide Squad? But again, it's uh, not like I, could, it's not like I think of any villains that <laughs> fit that description, admittedly. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, these two, I have to go Swamp Thing. I have to go Swamp Thing. I get the appeal. It's probably the superior book. Overall, but again, assuming the creative teams are on par here, but I have a feeling that Suicide Squad Seven will just scratch an itch that I'll just enjoy. So I'm going to go with that. What's the Twitter poll at? Twitter poll is oh neck and neck. Suicide Squad Seven is winning, but it's at fifty point two percent. Come on, Swamp, I'm going to go for it. And that's with <laughs> coming up on nineteen thousand votes. Still three days left on this Twitter poll, but and again, I don't know how representative these polls are of the. Yeah. DC Infinite polls, but pretty close. Yeah, because we, because uh, as of right now, the implication is is that only the DC Infinite ones are the ones that count, and the Twitter's just a, a gauge. Yeah, I'm gonna just uh log on to DC Infinite and see if I can see polls on there. I don't, I don't know how they're doing it if they show the results. Yeah, a part of me thinks they might not be showing the the results live, but uh, we'll see. Uh, and then bracket number eight, the last two books here, uh, Asteria, the last Amazon. An immortal mm-hmm. am- oh, sorry? Uh, sorry, I, I just hiccuped. All right. Typical Connor. Uh, an immortal Amazonian champion returns to man's world to discover her and the Amazon sacrifice now forgotten, a new breed of hero seeking power, glory, and dominance, and the secret family she left behind, offering one last chance at redemption. Okay. And then that's up again. Superman and Lois Ignition. Our solar system is a machine. And its purpose is to trap and kill Superman. The sun is darkening, Mars's orbit is changing, and a mysterious citadel in Jupiter's great red eye has awoken. 
It is time for Kal-El to stand against at the very end of his world. But he won't be doing it alone. Lois Lane is suited suited up sorry and blasting off to get the biggest story in human history and to watch clark's back as he faces his greatest challenge yet facing ancient aliens and planet-sized machines trickster asteroids and giga krakens of neptune <laughs> i had to just process what that was saying there uh superman and lois will fight across the all nine planets to prevent all nine have we rolled pluto back in the the uh the list here uh apparently yeah uh, to prevent Earth's dark destiny and save our future. This sounds like a Superman story. Um, I think what sticks out to me about that is that it is just a Superman story. When, notably, unless you want to count Robins, there's no Batman in any of these brackets. And I wonder if that's just because they know Batman will win. <laughs> like, every single time. Batman will win yeah. all the votes. So, uh, I mean, I think out of this, I'll go with Superman and Lois because it's kind of just more of a safe bet but it's not the description is that exciting to me it's just nothing about the uh the amazon one uh strikes me as particularly exciting either so superman yeah i mean i'd probably go with the amazon one just because i mean the Superman one sounds like a perfectly fine superman story right mm. um but the other one it just sounds a bit more interesting by definition of just being a bit different yeah uh i mean as far as the ones that i actually kind of like the sound of that i hope kind of make it to the end uh just looking through the whole list i would say it really comes down to robin's the swamp thing book yeah yeah i mean to a lesser extent the ambush bug one and blue beetle Mm. and yeah maybe green lantern's that push too but uh, like i have to admit it's it's not i mean part of the 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 feeling that these aren't like the big obvious books they're going to put out because they just they just greenlight them. They don't put them out for a vote. Is that for the most part, these don't feel like stuff that are like super high profile. It feels like mostly a lot of lower tier ideas or lower tier. I mean, not that some of these can't be amazing and shouldn't be amazing, but just that in terms of popularity, in terms of like where they'll place on like the advertising budget. <laughs> yeah, example. I mean, I think I'm interested in more of them than you overall because I'm quite interested in Zatanna for sure, uh, Robbins. Pause off the Justice League, Blue Beetle. I would personally quite like both Swamp Thing and Suicide Squad 7. So that, that's like six right there. Sure. Um, uh, what would you guess? Oh, I didn't, uh, the DC poll, uh, the last one. poll on the last one. Uh, Asteria, the last Amazon, is at 52%. So close. Yeah. Close. Um, I, I'm actually just looking on the DC Universe page about it. They put up like, basically a blog post. And it seems to me that the the Twitter poll is a pretty clear point of how to vote. Um, hmm. So, you know, they basically said uh, there are going to be DC uh, Instagram stories with three matchups a day. Um, so you can vote there. Uh, and you can vote on the Twitter poll all at once. Um, and they also said you can just comment in this particular thread that they have on DC Universe Infinite. And they'll count those as well, which... It's starting to feel like they're just going to look at general impressions rather than count it specifically. Yeah, because that's a lot of different formats of voting to combine into one yeah. coherent number. But, yeah, whatever. Yeah. Especially since you could theoretically vote in all three platforms if you wanted to. You could. I'm sure some people have. Okay. Um, I don't know. 
I, what I have realized, though, I did enjoy picking between things going down that list. So, uh, so you 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 like interaction more than you realized? No, 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 no. Not inter. I don't like this from a perspective of doing it for DC. I'm saying I liked it as part of the show. So what I'm saying is I'm having ideas for other content based on picking Balls. things. Uh, not for this show specifically, right? Not for this show specifically, no. Okay. Yeah. Uh, maybe in a quiet week we'll do a... This is that. I'll, I'll call it's it a, a quiet list. week. They exist, I'm sure. That'll happen again. <laughs> right now, really. I mean, theoretically, right now should be a bunch of quiet weeks because of the number of books, but somehow we're going 20, 30 minutes in almost every book right now, and I don't know how that's happening. Uh, which, to credit, mm. it might mean they're more interested than they were before, and if that's the case, I, I can't really fault <laughs> DC in that sense. It's possible. There's also a thing, though, that often with a lot of books, even even the books that we like, you tend to have less to say as it goes on in, in a true, run, because, you know, all right, we, we've spoke about these things over and over. You, you, you kind of develop a shorthand. Things don't need to be said every time. Everything's kind of fresh right now, so everything's a bit longer. Yep, yep, yep. Uh, so there you go. That is... Uh... The 16 uh, potential books, only one, at least as that's what they're saying, only one will actually happen, but we'll see. Um, as for what I think will win, I mean, pro- probably, I've already closed the list of Mythly, but pro- I mean, I, the ones we, all, we said were obviously going to win their brackets, it was probably going to be one of those ones that won at the end. Yeah. Yeah, that kind of brings it down to. I mean, that actually limits it a lot. Like the, the the obvious ones, we had Green Lanterns, Robins, Robins, well, Robins might not actually because of the yeah. But I think if Robins gets past JLQ, yeah, um, I'll have an easy time past that. But it's only just I will because say, that. If yeah. if JLQ gets past this first round, it might go all the way. It might, yeah, yeah. Um, not that I'd be upset about that. It might be a good book. No, I don't have a problem with that at all. I, I think... Just as long as it's not Steve Orlando writing it. That's one of those things where they probably should have just put it out regardless yeah, that of that one in voting. particular feels like a little bit weird to include. Yeah. I, I think the, the downside to putting it in the vote as well, apart from having to put it through the vote to get it to happen, is that a lot of the gremlins online uh, <laughs> like, are going to... You know, I mean, they'll talk shit about it anyway, admittedly, right? They'll they'll, they'll say whatever they want, but uh, I, I think it going through a tournament-style thing where they'll start to feel like, ah, like these people are dominating votes. And... If if this book objectively exists at the expense of all these other books that they cared about, they will yes. hate it so much more. Because we've always said time and time again, they're not putting out this book instead of the ones you yes. want, whereas this time they would be. Which honestly, on that on that point, does kind of make me want it to win. Yeah, because well, you know, because screw them. Yeah, fuck them. Yeah, basically. Uh, <laughs> so I hope JLQ wins for that reason. Uh, but in terms of taste, does yeah, there was like three or four books that were a bit more up my alley. So yeah, there you go. Uh, that is the 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 round robin, which is not a round robin. They just wanted to use that name because robin's a thing. Yeah. Uh, it's terrible. Uh, I mean, the problem with the round robin is, is though it's hard to keep track of if you really don't know, like the, you know how the point system's working and how it's going. Or like, it's and, lot... and are they doing it in groups of round yeah. robins, or are they doing like one big massive round robin? Because yeah, it's, it's a lot more confusing 
to, to follow. Whereas in Eliminator Tournament, it's really easy to just flash the graphic, and it's like, oh, you understand it. Yeah. So. Yeah. So maybe next year they'll, they'll, they'll do more of a round robin, and we'll, we'll get a, a DC G1 Climax. Uh, and for the five people in the audience who know what I'm talking about, congratulations. <laughs> it's a wrestling reference, Connor, but it's specifically a Japanese wrestling reference, so... The, the the audience that got that were a bit oh, more narrow. even niche than usual. Yes. Yes. Uh, but, you know. Uh, all right, let's talk about comics then. Uh, we will start the week off with The Flash, 768. Jeremy Adams writing with Ron Mars, the Darko Lufiente, Brandon Peterson, and Marcus Santucci on the R. Uh, so we got three R's. Uh, did you read this issue, Connor? I did. I just, I'm looking at... What ass, what ass did you just list? Darko Lafiente, Brandon Peterson, and Marcus Santucci. Or Marco Santucci. Yeah, maybe I, yeah. I tapled his name. Oh, that's fine. Uh, but... I read it. I'll be honest. If it had been like a busy week, I might not have done. But mm-hmm. I had like three books, including this. So, Well, given that Matt ended up... Because Matt, obviously, Matt not making the show wasn't like a planned thing. That was something we found out about like a day or two ago. So uh, I'm glad you did, so that we actually both read some of the books. Uh, <laughs> because some of the other ones we knew we, knew we weren't. Uh, so what's uh, interesting about this this book is that it's kind of in some ways giving us what we kind of asked for for a long time, which is we want Wally to headline The Flash. We want him to be The Flash in The Flash book, or at least have his own book separate to The Flash book. And this technically is doing that. Um, but there was a lot of reservations because the plot sounded a bit iffy. You know, Wally's going through like either time or universes and these powers are acting up. And, it, you know, it's still heavily mentioned getting over heroes in crisis and... Within the first few pages of this issue, we have this confrontation moment where Green Arrow's been kind of a dick about it because, you know, Roy died. <laughs> but in part of me, I was like, oh, can we just like forget this ever happened now and just move on? Because I'm, I'm, I'm sick of tying Wally to that awful turn of events. Sad answer is no. No, we can't. As much as I want to, they're not going to. I think they can eventually. It's just taken way, way longer than I would like it to. <laughs> yeah, look. Roy's back now. Just, just move on. Because I, I don't want this to be like you know John Stewart. Uh, they always bring up what's the planet. I always forget the name. Oh God. Uh, yeah, I can't remember. I, I know exactly oh. what you're on about. Yeah, can't remember the planet. They always bring up the planet that you know the, the, the his tragic you know, incident, right? And it kind of defend. And I don't. It doesn't bother me so much because it it wasn't necessarily a like a bad story. But everyone hated. It was just kind of. But it's something they always sort of use to anchor. You know when he's like having traumatic memories of something bad it's usually that or whatever it's brought up a lot and i've kind of gone away from that in recent years yeah but for a long time it was at least it was a long ass time and i do think there's the concern here that wally is somehow going to be tied like every writer is going to want to like bring up the trauma of heroes in crisis as just even if it's not relevant to the plot that much just as a sort of a thing for oh that's what he's thinking about or this is giving him flashbacks of that or this this is making him feel like that dead. This might go on for a decade or two. Yeah, and that is heartbreaking because now there's something that taints Wally every single time he comes up, and it's something that none of us wanted him to go through. None of us liked that story development. Uh, it was not particularly well handled. Um, it is even though I'm not necessarily sure like who is specifically to blame, but regardless of how much King is at blame for the choice that was made to do that to Wally, 
uh it's definitely the the biggest blemish that king's got on his like record and will and i'm loving everything else he's doing right now he's still one of my most favorite anticipated writers on to be fair, he's also responsible in a lot of ways for rick grace so i mean that's that's up there as a as a pretty major blemish. whoa 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 he did not choose what they did to Dick. He he had him be injured in his book, and then DC editorial said, "This is what Dick's going to be doing." He pulled after the trigger. This. That, that that is not the same thing. I, I mean, it's not as bad, but I'm I'm like, I'm just saying, I still hold him a little bit responsible for that. That's like saying a writer who sets up cliffhanger and is fired from a book, and then you blame you still blame that writer for what the new writer did with the cliffhanger when he come when they come back. That's that's effectively what you're arguing there. Yeah. Yes. So it's wrong. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, so that put me off in the wrong foot, and I was kind of like, ah, oh, like, I don't want to keep hearing about heroes in crisis and hear about him losing control and and whatever. And the art at the start of the book wasn't doing much for me either. I have to say, the faces were a bit. Uh, mm, I'm not. I'm not yeah. sure what. I'm not sure which artist this is. Uh, off, you know, without looking into. I'm it. not either because it doesn't actually tell. It doesn't give us a, yeah. a standard split. I don't like the, there's a weird like separation of all the characters from the backgrounds as well. Like, they have like extra outlines and they feel like they're cut out and stuck on. Yeah, that's all about the faces that are just kind of bugging me for the most part. Uh, the, you know, it starts off basically where we left off in Infinite Frontier where Barry's asked Wally to sort of take over being the Flash. And we sort of pick up right there where they're reacting to Wally saying that he doesn't want to. He wants to quit being any sort of Flash. He's, he's done. He wants to just go be a father and a family man. He's, he's putting his family to too, too, too much shit. And that's what he wants to do now. Um, which is fine for an idea, right? I mean, I, I get why. It's just one of these funny things. that In a, an objective sense, there's so much things that because of what happened in Heroes in Crisis, that objectively, there should be things he has to work through because of that. But because most of us all hate that story and wish it had never happened, we don't want them to do it. We want them to just brush Pretend it away. it never happened. Yeah. Uh, and let's be honest though, Infinite Crisis, like, that was a chance to just sort of write a wrong. They could have done something there with, you know, continuity and just be like, ah, oh, well, world's Even reset. Like he's got, like, the kids just here and, you know, yeah. everything's like, he's, he's like, rocking around just, you know, like, hey, I want a normal family life. That feels like, it, you know, we can just leave it here. Yeah. Totally. Uh, so Barry is going to help take his speed away because he wants these powers gone. Uh, and they're sort of dual narrating as they're running past various things happening in the world. You know, they run past uh, Orm at one point and whatever. Uh, but then something weird happens as a flash of light. Uh, and as we discover throughout the rest of the issue, all of the other speedsters lose their power. Barry's got no speed. He, he ends up uh, in some country. He has to get Green Arrow to come pick him up in the jet. It's in Paris, I believe. It's Paris. Well, I was looking... The next page makes it obvious because the Eiffel Tower's there. But the page before that, I, it's just I, a street. It was definitely clearly France, though. Because that French? guy is speaking French. I don't know what French looks like oh. written down. Really? That could, be, I mean, that, that could be 20 languages to me. I have no idea what that says. I could not for the life of me translate a single word of that. But I can tell it's French. That could be any Latin-based language to me. I mean, obviously, it's French. I'm not arguing that, but I'm saying that I don't see that and go, that is definitely French. I, I look at that and go... Oh, it's uh, it's somewhere in Europe. Fair enough. Obviously not Germany, because German German looks particularly different. They but... they did not have a romantic language, is what you're saying. Nick, Scheiser, Freudelein. Yes. Auf Wiedersehen. Very different. Yeah. Uh, 
Yeah, so... It's like, okay, so we have to try and find Wally, because Wally disappeared. And Wally wakes up in, like, caveman dinosaur times. And the funny thing about this book is that once it got to this part, it was starting to win me over a little bit. There was some fun to be had in parts of this, I thought. And Connor's making a face. Connor clearly hated all of this. No, I didn't hate all of it. But every time I started to like things, yes. it did some it, it had a, a line of dialogue or a moment that I hated. And it just it threw me right back down again. Like it's it 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 tries at points. And I am just starting to go, okay, I I guess I can go along with this. And then it does something I dislike. While I interacting with the dinosaurs, I had fun with um doing the I, Flintstones things was fun. Yeah, Flintstones things. I love. There's a couple of Jurassic Park references, and I think they were pretty good. Uh, the two that I liked, one is that he's literally hiding from the Velociraptor, who's got super speed, by the way. Uh, again, Flint Speed Force is acting up, right? They don't know, they don't know what's wrong. Uh, but he seems to have gotten Speed Force powers from Wally. And, but he's hiding in the bushes at one point, and it kind of pops out the side, and it's just like the clever girl moment from the movie. My favorite Jurassic Park reference, bizarrely, though, <laughs> is when, because they find a way to communicate with Wally through time, and he's like, where are you? And he says, I'm in Jurassic Park time. And I don't know who, maybe it's Oliver who says, what, the 90s? I actually thought that was a really funny response. Yeah. <laughs> I thought that was generally quite funny. Uh, he's like, no, no, actual dinosaurs. <laughs> like, actual, you know, prehistoric. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so. I, yeah. I'm not sure how I feel about the fact that Wally's body isn't really here. He's quantum leaping around, essentially. Yeah, well, he, when he looks in the reflection, he's seeing who he really is, which right now is just some sort of caveman. Day. I actually have a question on the, that page. Um, what the hell happened? Uh, which, there, which there was page? a bit in the art which page? that confused me. Uh, the page before he looks at his reflection. Um, it's uh, He goes, you know, I could use a drink, and yes. then he goes, and, and there's a panel, and he goes, yow. And I'm like, I don't know what's happening. It looks like half his hand's melting off into the water, or... But then I'm assuming it's just the shock of the reflection, but like I don't understand. Like it really confused me. I was staring at that for minutes, and um, maybe it's just a coloring error. I think it's a color. I think it's just meant to be like waters, because because on the other hand, you see some water splashing down from it. I think it's just a coloring error. So they've made it skin colored rather than the water color. It, it confused me. I was there staring. I was like, because I hadn't turned the page yet. I was trying to figure out what was going on. I was like, did his hand just start melting? I was like, what's happening? And then I turned the page, and it's like, no, he's not reacting to it. Nothing wrong. And, and then it was, you know, so I was going back and forth quite a bit here because that coloring error. I, 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 never, I never noticed that. Uh, it was, I, I got from the action that it was whatever he was seeing in the water. So I was just, you know, I was expecting the page turn reveal. So I never questioned it. I get that. And it, it was just the, it looked like his hand was melting or he had a weird extra finger or something that I was just like, what's going on? Yeah. Uh, so, you know, we have all the dinosaur stuff. Velociraptor comes out with super speed. Um, you know, he's, he's fighting his way from the, the dinosaurs, he's trying to talk to Barry and Oliver, and Mr. Terrific's been roped in as well to try and figure out the science of all, all this shit. Uh, but as he's running from the dinosaur, uh, you know, things get wacky. Uh, the dinosaur, the Velociraptor, essentially does what Wally did before, which is the speed force kind of, like, flashes around him, and uh, it actually, it's a really cool full-page spread of uh, what looks like a huge speed force explosion on Earth. It's a really pretty they telling us that he was the meteor that took out the dinosaurs? <laughs> I don't think they're telling us that. Um, it kind of looks like that. <laughs> I mean, maybe, but that, that's a bold move. I I would be more inclined to say that it's just a big explosion that doesn't have that much impact in the grand scheme of things. It just looks really cool at the time. 
and no one's around to witness or care. So, I mean, I can't really argue with that. It just just, just looks suspiciously like they're telling me he's he's the asteroid that wiped out the Titan. I don't. I, <laughs> I don't. I mean, if it is that, I'm not that mad at it. Uh, but anyway, so they're here. They're talking to Wally still. Uh, and, and obviously, this was going to be a fun reveal, whatever it was. Or, you know, at least it was intended to be because. We hear him talking over the comms, but he's not said where he is yet. So I, I was like, sort of suspecting, okay, we're going to see where he is. It's going to be funny or cool or whatever. Uh, and turn, turn the page, and he's in the future, and he's wearing the Impulse outfit. He's wearing Bart's outfit. Uh, and when he looks in the reflection, he sees Bart. He sees this, you know, smaller Bart's hair, whatever. Um, uh, actually, did you not enjoy the part where he yells out, score one for the ginger? I hate uh, that line. You hate that line? That's, well, that's one of those moments where it just took me out of it completely. Where I'm like, this just doesn't just have all the voice down for Wally for me. <laughs> I think you're, what you're actually trying to say is that he sounds far too positive to be a ginger. And you would know because you are, in fact, a ginger and you felt this was a misrepresentation of your cynicism and jaded attitude. That, that might be partially true. I guess what it is. Uh, so, yeah. And the ending's like, you know, the Dominator, Cliffhanger... And yeah, you know, uh, I, I I don't know off the top of my head who this character is. The shit yelling impulse run. It, it tells you at the bottom. What is it? Oh, gold beetle. Oh, there, there. Fair enough. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> uh, I would never have recognised that in a million years. So uh, thank you, DC. Um, so I do kind of like the ending, and I like the dinosaur stuff. I think this. I think the second half of the book, because it's it it goes away from being heroes in crisis misery. And becomes fun adventure with some good jokes. Maybe they don't all work for you. I mean, it's very subjective, obviously. Uh, I thought the Jurassic Park and the Flintstone jokes were actually pretty decent and gave me a, a little chuckle. Uh, him being as Bart in the future is kind of interesting. Um, and it makes me wonder if the caveman that he went into in the first place was also a speedster. And it's just not one we know because he's a caveman from... You know, if after, if after Bart, he jumps into another known speedster, it'll be like, oh, wait a minute. Like, he's jumping from speedster to speedster. He's not jumping from just random people. Uh, mm. And if they're all connected to the speed force, it maybe makes it a little less random in the sense that, okay, they're all part of it. I mean, how optimistic am I for this book? Like, I, I'm in a weird like, middle ground where I want to be optimistic. And there's enough in this issue to make me go, ah, oh, yeah, I'll read another one. Like, I'm, I'm down to read some more and see how it goes. But I'm also, at the same time, I'm very cautious the whole way. I'm very, like, I'm kind of waiting for it to upset me. I don't think it has yet. It's just, you know. I think I'm hoping that the, the caveman is a speedster or, or a time traveler or something, maybe. Because he's the only one there, and that would explain why there is a caveman alongside dinosaurs. I think speedster. I, I uh, uh, a speedster who accidentally time travelled further back would be kind of fun yeah yeah uh, and this is a thing they don't even have to go into it we can just sort of if they never mention it again we can just kind of assume that especially if they go yeah. down the path where everyone else he goes into as a speedster we can just assume yeah I can that. live with that yeah. um, like I said I, I, the first half was pretty rough especially the art yes uh, once it got to the the main Wally section uh, in the past like I said I, I, I enjoyed the general vibe and the tone some of the comedy landed for me, like uh, the the references and you know, like, like, you know the, the Flintstone stuff. I, I did like those, but um, there were just multiple points where the the dialogue, the voice of Wally, just felt off for me, and kind of took me out of the book again. Um, kind of, you kind of made it hard for me to. 
stay engaged with the book, uh, you know, consistently for more than four or five pages at a time, where I, I feel myself <clears> kind of being very aware of, of the issue and, you know, and the potential problems. I, I, I am, I don't want to say I'm pleasantly surprised because I think that's maybe too strong. I, but, like, I'm down to read more. I, I think. It, Regardless of what the rest of this arc does, if it keeps being fun like the back half of this issue for the most part was, that's cool. I do think though, there has to be a like we ha whenever we we're done with this arc and we move into arc two, or maybe arc two is the one that will really address it. I don't know, but there kind of has to be a shift where we can stop obsessing over heroes in crisis and just have okay, Wally's just the Flash now, and that's cool. So I'm hoping that this arc by the end. He doesn't make the choice to keep being the Flash. He takes the mantle properly, and we go from there. And this is just it might be a transition art to give a, give him a story of making that choice. And if it's fun along the way, even though I don't like some of the you know stuff that it's rooted in because of Heroes in Crisis, I'm okay with that. And maybe it can grow there. I mean, this is the thing. I came into this not really knowing anything about the writer Jeremy Adams. Like I, I I'm not familiar at all with with this this writer. No, I'm. Not, I want to say maybe he wrote issue to a Suicide Squad at some point, but I could be wrong. I mean, I was sure someone might tell me that I read a, a fill-in that he did once, and that's probably right. <laughs> but you know, I don't remember every fill-in art yeah. writer I've read. Uh, so it was okay. It was okay. It was you know, I think there was some good stuff in it. There's obviously some stuff connected to things I don't like. There was some dodgy art, particularly the early stuff with the faces. Uh, I didn't like. Once he gets to the uh, caveman dinosaur times. Uh, it kind of it got better. Uh, and it felt like it was poppy, having some fun with what it was doing. Um, and a Wally book should have fun with what it's doing for the most part. It, he's that kind of character in a lot of ways. Yeah. Oh, that that was like one of the lines, the the jokes, dialogues that I really dislike. I'm just skimming through just to can see mm -hmm. which one catch my eye. Um, he goes, "Oh, the dinosaur, it's shaking," and they're like shaking how, and he goes, "Like Shakira, but faster." Like, what? I'll give you that one. That one was a bit weird. Uh, it's it just things like that where I'm like, this just doesn't feel right. And and they're kind of like, there's not like tons of them. There's like three or four, but they're spaced out. So every time I think, okay, it's, it's just a one-off. It's over now. Something else pops up. And it's frustrating because I do, I, I do like the general tone and the, the vibe of him, you know, running through the, the dinosaur, <laughs> Speed Raptor. It's like, that's kind of fun. I, I like the Jurassic Park references. I thought the Flintstones one was fine. Um, yeah. I'll give you the Shakira ones a bit much, but <laughs> but maybe that's just because I have no attachment to Shakira, so it felt weirder to me. Whereas, I don't know, making a reference to a movie is like just in my wheelhouse. <laughs> so I like Shakira well enough. It just stuff. It 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 felt like a different sort of joke entirely. That I I don't feel like Wally would be making both these types of jokes, you know, minutes away from each other. Yeah. Um. I actually kind of liked the, the line that came after that, though. It was something along the lines of uh. Like, he says something like, I don't know, it's a, it's a vibrating dinosaur. I don't know, <laughs> I've never seen one before. <laughs> like, I don't know how to describe it. Uh, yeah. I, I kind of appreciated that, because yes, no one's seen a vibrating dinosaur. Uh, maybe Jurassic Park 6 will give us a... <laughs> a, a dinosaur that gets the uh, the shakes from that Smallville episode. <laughs> Slash that Superman and Lois episode. Slash that Superman and Lois episode. Jitters. We'll get a Velociraptor with the jitters. Uh... All right, what are you giving Flash 760? Uh, I mean, it's okay. Um, I didn't hate it. I'll give it a 5.5. 5. 
I, I'm happy to go up another point. I think 6.5 for me. I won't, I won't quite go out right and say good at the 7, but I'm happy to give it a 6.5 for now. Uh, and I'm down to read more, especially since, you know, we there, there is much less books, you know, week to week right now. So it's a, it's a mm. nice time for a book like this to prove itself to me. It's got a chance to, to win me over a little bit. Uh, obviously, once books start piling up, if it just sort of stays the same, uh, you know, maybe it, maybe then it, it's called into question again. But it's, it's got a chance. It's got an opening. So it can take it shot, and we'll see how it does. Uh, Future State, Superman, Imperious Lex, issue three, Mark Russell writing, Steve Pugh on art. Now, this has been an enjoyable enough little miniseries. Um, I think we all kind of had the opinion that issue two felt like it could have just been the end, didn't really need a third issue. Having read the third issue, I, I kind of still feel that way, and that's to say that I don't like this issue. It's just that I don't necessarily think it's necessary either. <laughs> it feels... There's some stuff... I, I really like the stuff with Lex and his robot. There's some funny stuff with Lex and his robot. His robot who's so loyal to him. And then Lex just, like, turns on him and blames him for, like, everything that's happened. And then the robot inadvertently ruins everything by trying to prove to Lex how much he still cares for him, even though he's been betrayed by Lex repeatedly. Mm-hmm. That stuff I thought was all very amusing. Um, but I do have to admit, I got to the end of this and went... Yeah, this, this, this issue feels just ancillary. It just feels like, extra. Here's the thing. I have very little to complain about with this issue. I yes. had fun. I liked the point it was making where it was talking about, you know, uh, society getting more insular <clears throat> and, you know, into our own little bubbles. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I liked all the stuff it was doing, but I'm like, did this really need to be three issues? I don't think like, so. Of, of all the Future State books that had an extra issue to run into this month, why this one? I don't know. I don't know. Uh, like I say, it's perfectly fine. Uh, dialogue's on point, particularly with Lex. Uh, dialogue is very on point. Uh, Superman and Lois insist that they still have to help the citizens of Lexar, so they go out. Uh, he wants to use the, the robots that he sort of decommissioned on the moon, but of course the little robot, uh, X-99 or whatever his name is, uh, has turned them all on and accidentally had, it, had them rampaging through Lexar. So Lexar's own equipment destroys everything which finally <laughs> lets some of the residents finally realize that Lex is uh, is to blame and is awful. Sad part is this is the most unrealistic part of this issue. Because in reality, they'd be like, Superman's trying to trick us. Uh, that's probably truth to that. That's probably truth to that. <laughs> but, you know, it's, uh, it's fiction. So. It is. And I actually <laughs> feel like I can get away with the cynicism on this book. And not, and not, and not in a way of saying that, that it's bad, but just... It's a very cynical book, right? <laughs> it, it, for a Superman book, mm. uh, it, it's very cynical and you know, a, a kind of biting satire of very real things right now, uh, in, in a very sad way. I have to admit, though, I, I kind of had this feeling uh, as I was reading it. Like, I, I kind of like before I opened it up, I kind of went, "Oh yeah, I've got this one to read." And I, it's not that the last two were bad; it's just that we've moved on. <laughs> I moved on from Future State. That's feels I, like I, I, I didn't need to go back to yeah. Future State right now. Like, it'll be different when we get there with a book that's going to have like an actual new mini, like the the Red Hood one, for example. Or next Batman, which is next week. The physical issue comes out. Yes, although that doesn't even start in Future State because that's an origin yeah, story. That's true, but so I, I wasn't even counting that. Uh, but more related, I guess. But here, just this leftover lingering issue. I was also like, do I need to read this? I mean, I did well, clearly, and I, again. I think, had this been a busy week, th- this would have been the first thing to be gone, even before the flashbook, you know, where it was like, oh, I, could, I still want to try that. Yeah. Whereas this, it's just like, 
I'm, I'm sure it's perfectly good. And it is perfectly good. But there was no, like, oh, I need to read this. It, it's, it's, it's a really hard thing to gauge sometimes. And I know some people, obviously everyone's different. Everyone has a different taste and priorities and, and whatever. But there is sometimes this weird middle ground where the book itself is probably going to be perfectly fine. And in this case, yeah, it is, it's perfectly fine. It's well told. Russell knows how to write a story with some satire and all the rest of it. But I just, I just, I, I, I still read it, obviously, but there was a moment before where I was like, I don't know if I can be bothered. I don't, I'm just not that interesting going back to this. Yeah. Uh, it, and partly I think it's because it did feel done. Maybe if issue two was completely unfinished in the sense that it had a cliffhanger and the conclusion hadn't happened yet, it would have felt smoother because, oh, there's still a story to finish, but because it felt done, I felt like I'd washed my hands off it. I felt like I've moved on with my life, uh, you know, all steam ahead. <laughs> on... Yeah, uh, I, just, I don't regret reading it. I still enjoyed oh, it well me. enough. Like, it's, it's a good, solid issue. There's absolutely nothing wrong with it. Just... But also, I'm like, going in, I, was like, I just, just didn't really need it. And, it, and it. and I wasn't excited for it. It's a headspace thing, more than anything. I just, I was like, Everything else, you know, Flash was interesting because it was a new run. The two Tom King books are these prestigious books that are getting a lot of conversation. There's usually a lot of good stuff to talk about. Um, I just, I don't know. This was like a weird thing in the middle that, like, is is good, but just I don't know. It, this is all all very strange. I, I, I mean, it, if someone really loves this issue, they're probably mad at us right now that we're not like dissecting it a little bit more, but. I don't really feel like I've got that much to say on the the story itself. I feel like it it continues a lot of the same themes and beats that it had. Yeah, it's it's very much a a Mark Russell issue in that it has a lot of these themes, uh, very you know biting side, like I said, um, all the stuff about becoming you know more insular and and trying to get through to that. Uh, very good stuff in that regard. Um, I, I think that the biggest problem that I have with that, as with all uh, Mark Russell stuff, is it's it's very. I don't want to say surface level, because that's unfair, because it is like a, a valid point that it's making, and it's not just there, but more, it's not exactly hidden, right? It, it's not like, uh, you know, this subtle messaging. It's just, no, this is the point, and it's in your face, and that's, you know, it's just kind of there. Yeah, it's, yeah. I mean, the, the book ends uh, with an ironic ending where Lex is imprisoned with the robot that wanted to be with them. So the robot is telling them that, hey, now you have me, and we'll be forever for years, if not decades, if not centuries. And Lex is just like, oh, great. So it's kind of this comeuppance for Lex, and the robot effectively gets a happy ending, because this is what he wanted, was just to be with Lex. So it's uh, you know, it's a humorous comeuppance at the end. Yeah. Uh, that's basically it. So, yeah. Pretty much. Yeah. That might be the shortest discussion we've had on any book in months. Uh, yeah. Uh, and, and the art is, is obviously perfectly solid from Pew. Uh, it's, uh, you know, it's covered it's up a exactly little bit. It's exactly what it was for the last two issues. Yes, yeah, it is. The, 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 like, the, it doesn't do anything good or bad that it didn't do in those issues. Uh, it's still solid, you know, good use of, you know, layouts. It, it's It's fairly dynamic in that sense. You know, lots of moving panels, uh, you know, it, which does, does give a good sense of uh, flow uh, as it goes through. A um, couple of nice little insert panels when Lex is whipping up the crowd uh, mm -hmm. just before he blames X-99. I thought that sequence was probably the highlight. Um, but like I say, it doesn't go, I don't, I don't think Pew goes above and beyond or anything like that. Uh, but I don't think it does anything wrong either. Yeah. 
Yeah. Uh, yeah, I like the points I'd have, really, is that maybe there's a few pages, especially early on when there's a lot of talking heads, it's maybe the, some pages are a bit busy. Maybe it could have been streamlined a little bit into a few less, uh, you know, less dialogue boxes, less a few less uh, speech bubbles or whatever, but it's not a huge complaint. Yeah. Uh, Alright, what are you rating? Imperious Lex issue 3. No, I'm still going to give it a 7. Yeah, I'll give it a seven. I mean, that's that's the thing. Like, I would probably say it is better than the Flash issue, but the Flash was more interesting <laughs> because it was new yeah. and and whatever. So there you go. And I'm more passionate about them wanting to you know wanting to get Wally right. So I have a lot more vested interest in that. Yeah, and in, in ways. thus ends Future State for now. For now, next Batman starts next week. <laughs> Doesn't have the Future State logo on it. Doesn't count. Technically, I've ever heard of one. All right. Batman, Catwoman, issue four, Tom King and Clayman. Of course, uh, we have the investigation in this issue of Catwoman by her own daughter. Um, you know, Batwoman. And this issue kind of delves into, you know, to how close were Catwoman and Joker at a certain time. There's, there's a montage in the middle of this issue where Helena's... Essentially, you know, she interviews the Penguin, she was an interview Clayface and Zaz, and she's basically just hearing, like, it's, it's almost that, that thing in, like, any sort of documentary where you hear people saying, oh, you know, we've seen them talking together at the at the get-togethers, but, I mean, no one knows for sure, like, how close they were. And, you know, a lot of this is, you know, building into the, the guilt of, like, Catwoman's past and what she regrets of her villainous years and and also all sorts of things. So, you've got that. You had the, the present day, if you want to call it that, uh, cliffhanger of actually i suppose this is more the past because the present day is the the phantasm stuff so the 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 past stuff which was joker told her about a bomb at the ice rink but if she tells batman then she has to explain where the information came from and one of the early scenes in the book is uh her just like he's getting dressed to go to this black tie like dinner party thing and he's like just giving her advice because ah paparazzi will be there you're going to be in the newspapers tomorrow you know don't worry about it and she just sort of like breaks down and says look Joker's put a bomb under the ice rink. Uh, it's Christmas time. Uh, there's a lot of Christmas music sort of uh, in, you know, music bubbles throughout the issue to give you sort of the mood, uh, which is which is nice. Uh, but it shows you the you can see the what the opening pages of the uh, the red digital clock of the the bomb like showing through the ice. It's a really nice little uh, sequence. Um, and then the present day story with Phantasm, she has kidnapped Selina and has her held captive in the World Fair building, which is now kind of abandoned, but it was, you know, it was this fair about the future and blah, blah, blah. And she kind of monologues about to her there. So you've got these three timelines going still, which the book's had the whole time. Um, and you have Phantasm eff- effectively making this speech to Catwoman that Batman's way doesn't work. And we've heard this a lot from various people over the years, you know, the villains keep getting out, uh, you know that's not solving anything we have to do more we have to do something else which heavily t- and it has more weight here though because we've already seen in the future that old old woman selena kills joker like her hearing this speech has a lot more weight because we know she actually goes through with it uh as opposed to every other time in a batman comic where someone makes a speech <laughs> and it's just like yes you know we, we've heard this time and time again so that's really neat and there is some some really great art of course from clayman uh throughout the book all the Christmassy set and stuff looks really good. Uh, after Helena questions everyone about how much, you know, and Scarface is one of the ones that get questioned as well. Uh, 
and Mrs. Freeze, which is notable that Victor's dead and he's now in a tank like Nora used to be. And Nora, who's not blue, might I add, Nora, and of course Nora technically did just get killed in one of the comics. But this is separate continuity-wise, it's fine. Uh, you know, she's like, oh yeah, you know, Victor used to like talk about the glory days and uh, all all the time that he fought Batman. There was pride in when he spoke about it. But what do you want to know? Like he t- he talked a lot about everything. Um, and we see Batman like you know getting the the bomb out of the ice at the ice rink, which I a really great panel here of him like kneeling down on the ice rink and the Christmas trees behind him. Uh, it's a really nice like, contrast. Especially since you've got the blue colour of the ice and then up up where the tree is, it's all orangey and stuff because of the glow of the tree. Uh, really nice stuff. I also really love the Joker's bomb. It's a really simple thing, but the digital clock, when it counts to zero, because we see it at like four seconds, uh, the other two, the hours and the minutes part, when they're at zero, it actually takes, it becomes the word ha. So it says ha ha. So when the seconds count down to zero, it'll say ha 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 before it explodes. It's, a simple, it's a simple little thing, but I really like it. Um, it's neat. I'll be so, honest. My biggest takeaway so far is that Nora Freeze is not an ice bomb. No, she's not. No, she's a normal human being. Yeah. So I don't know what Matt was chatting on about. <laughs> yeah, Matt was trying to counter. Uh, old woman Selena goes to Penguin after she hears that uh, you know that he was questioned by her daughter and wants to know what was asked and what he said. And it becomes this this really wonderful, this is some of the best art in the whole book, is she's brought a cat with her, and Penguin says something like, oh, maybe you should probably just go home and give that cat some milk or something, looking famished. And she's like, oh yeah, the cat's hungry, but not for not for milk. And she puts the cat down, and the cat lunges at one of the penguins, and bites his neck, and there is basically straight out of a horror movie, like, panel, because it's, it's very blue because they're in like the iceberg lounge or wherever they are and then there's this close-up of the cat's like mouth open and it's all red and black and smearing it's like a horror it's the sort of thing you do when the, you're doing like a werewolf attack in a comic where you'll do like one panel of the blood red kind of like view of the, the werewolf mouth mm. coming at you uh but the cat and then there's a full page spread which is back into sort of normal colors and that's maybe the best page of the whole book is, is the cat the black cat just standing on this dead penguin <laughs> and looking very sinister. And it's obviously very symbolic. Obviously, she's trying to intimidate Cobblepot. I mean, that's no question. But this idea of how far gone is she, how far gone was she in the past that she felt so guilty about it in her time with Batman? And now she's like basically making threats like this to Penguin. A lot of this book seems to be going down of, okay, like just, just how villainous was Catwoman before she sort of turned before she kind of started working with batman before that relationship built and the, you know the book starts with her feeling guilty enough and like fessing up to batman and saying hey and she's not had to have the conversation of where she knows about this conversation yet because uh, he asked where the joker is she doesn't know but it does start with her saying no I, I can't do this i have to tell him i have to try and save these people so it gives you something to cling to of like okay no she obviously there's there's some morals in there there's empathy to build on but then the rest of the issue kind of starts to show more of this this darker side of like yeah she was a villain once and then this like show of force with the cat with the penguin and i mean the fact that it's literally a cat killing a penguin i mean the symbolism it's not even symbolism really at this point it's you know to say that that's that's not subtext anymore that's just text it's you know it's it's, it's cat woman the names are literally cat woman and the penguin i mean what she's saying here is very blatant um 
But, uh, yeah, there's a gorgeous two-page spread of uh, Catwoman and Batman up in the rooftops in the uh, the past time. Uh, and he's demanding to know where the Joker is. This is after he's gotten the bomb out of the ice. He's demanding to know where the Joker is. It's snowing. Uh, so I think if you're a fan of the aesthetic of Batman Returns, you may like that this is set at Christmas and that there's a lot of Catwoman and Batman on rooftops with the snow. Um, and Catwoman just yells at him, what do you want from me? She actually, I mean, she swears at him, even. And he gets all, you know, silhouette on her with the, with the, with the eyes, like, where? Like, where is it? And she says F you. And the end of the issue is her jumping off the rooftop. And as she as she does so, um, she says, come and get me then. Come run after me. Scare me to death and tell me how low I am and how high you are. Like you do to all your other lovers. And then the final panel is Batman on his own, just with his head down on top of the building. Uh, so you have this kind of theme squeaking in of what Batman's villains are to him and how she kind of views herself in that kind of you know, plethora of people. And the idea of like what really drives Batman in many ways is the chase of the villains rather than the chase of love like it is for most people. And uh, it, it was, it's really this, this you know very somber ending where I also think it's notable that Catwoman effectively it's almost rebelling a little bit with Batman. Like, you know, maybe out of guilt in and of itself, the idea that if she leaves Batman, she wouldn't feel guilty anymore. And I'm sure that's something that, given the fact that she ends up married to him and everything else later on, I'm sure that's something that uh, will be a, a story beat for her to come out of. But um, it feels like she's trying to make herself feel better by severing the connection a little bit and diminishing how Batman is with everyone including her and it's fascinating i was assuming matt's not here to talk about this because <laughs> there's a lot of good stuff in here uh for sure and i think the fact that you have this moment here in the past where she kind of rebels against batman combined with the threatening of the penguin and then the stuff you know and that's in the future but just combined with all the questioning her daughter does in the future you ha you ha you really paint this picture of Catwoman where both at the, the the start and the end of the cycle where she does have this darker side uh, is quite interesting and I, I think a lot of this book is about Catwoman dealing with her past and accepting who she is and obviously the choices that even she takes in the future which kind of has her going back the way in in some ways so it is very interesting to me the idea that her own daughter may ultimately like put her away or have to stop her because of what she's become because after all her daughter is also batman's daughter and there's a lot of batman in her so you know we'll see how that goes uh, the art is gorgeous though the art is gorgeous we got we got the snow we have the christmas trees uh that glorious cat and penguin uh i don't even want to call it a fight because it's not a fight it's just a, a murder <laughs> um and then that full page spread that looks wonderful um the phantasm stuff as well every time a phantasm's popped up in this book uh she's looked great uh, that that mask here especially. There's like panels where there's like a bunch of like TV monitors behind her, and like the 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 mask is just sort of shown in like darkness with like the the robe sort of cloak sort of like shape around it. Uh, it just looks really nice, really smart use of different coloring, uh, which is partly what helps you sort of discern what time period you're in at any given point. So that's really neat. Um, 
but yeah so yeah I, this, this is all about the demons of the past it's a lot about guilt it's a lot about these things um and i think also more importantly perhaps even it's about what guilt you have and how or maybe, uh, let me move away from the word guilt here it's about stuff in your past that only becomes something you, you even reconsider because someone else kind of provokes you into reconsidering and con- recontextualizing what you did so the idea that there's stuff in her past that she was able to live with until there was someone in her life provoking her to be better in this case that'd be batman and that that influence on her makes her revisit these things in her mind and the guilt of what she's done in her past uh, and then likewise at the other end of the spectrum the idea that she's kind of almost reverting back without him and you know what her daughter sees from that and there's a lot of interesting plates in the air but i think it's very important that this 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 book is more of a catwoman book than it is a batman book obviously batman plays into it as does joker but it's all very much about how they all relate to catwoman uh she is very much the main character of this book uh so yes i'm looking forward to the next issue and seeing uh how it develops from here so there you go uh very pretty like i say very very pretty um and forgive me if i was waffling and thought i'm used to map jumping in and <laughs> taking the taking the mantle occasionally uh so um as far as the rating goes for this uh i'd say a really strong 8.5 uh wonderful art almost flawless in many ways um and then yeah all, all the all the themes that's spinning it may not be my favorite issue of the book but it's definitely progressing things i mean i think the favorite one is still very much the where she killed the old old man joker that, that was exceptional that moment uh, and that i think that was issue two or three that happened so um really good stuff so there you go batman catwoman issue four Strange Adventures, issue 9, Tom King, writing with Mitch Garris and Doc Shainer on the art. And Usual. We have the, 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 the fallout of this report that's leaked about Adam Strange and whatever he did in the war on Ran, and the reaction to this, and kind of how Alana is very capably able to spin it into a very positive thing for the public. Yeah, especially as we see some of what actually happened, or at least the story of what happened. Mm-hmm. And it, it, it seems like there was some chemical warfare going on. It seemed like chemical warfare combined with like luring people, because like, the chemical warfare is essentially designed to lead them to a giant pit, which then buries them all alive. It's very sinister. <laughs> yeah, and it was like, yeah, there, there, there was no... Like, specific targeting the soldiers. It was just whoever's there. Yeah, and Adam Strange, notably in that section, is wearing, like, an all... It's a black version of his suit. It's like a stealth version. It is it's very much the, the stealth suit. Yeah. yeah. Uh, notably, though, we start with the stuff on the planet. We start with, you know, the grave. Like, they're at the, the tombstone with the little hologram of the daughter. And I actually went back and... Because, you know, obviously, we have, like, a month or so between these issues. Sometimes it's a little bit longer. And... I remember always the gist of what the book's been about, but I'm like, okay, I always want to go back and just sort of skim the previous issue to remember, okay, where did we leave it off? What was the end in the last mm-hmm. issue? And I was glad I did in this case, because I was like, wait, did we have the death and I forgot on it? Because I don't remember what, it's, and we didn't. This is important. I went back and checked. The last issue ended with, like, him and his daughter going out together to spend some time together. 
And it was very kind of somber, and we all had the feeling, I remember talking about it, we all had the feeling that this might, this is the the trip that's going to be the tragedy. Yeah. But we don't see it yet, so they're saving that still, because we start this and she's already dead. There's a tombstone. Uh, allegedly dead. Allegedly dead, yes. Uh, that's important, I suppose. But, um, so, but it made me go, I, I really, I made a point to go back and check in. Uh, also, in the present day stuff, uh, Adam's flying around, uh, fighting picked, and... Alana's basically saying what this report is, what's in it. It's kind of damning, but other than the fact that the Justice League are basically banning you from being a Justice League member, it's not actually that big a deal. Not big deal. Yeah. yeah. Unless you care about hanging out with, uh, you know... Red Tornado. Well, it was Red Tornado. I was trying to remember I which one it was. Tornado. Yeah. Unless you miss hanging about with Red Tornado over a cup of coffee, I, I think you're, you're going to survive. Uh, so obviously it's all very pretty, uh, as as we see the stealth version of these... these uh, because he infiltrates the this little town, this the the the, the pick they've got, and he leaves this canister that starts oozing the green gas, which is notably a lot more vivid than any of the other colors in this. Because it's all nighttime, so it's all these muted. I mean, it is greens and blues, but it's very muted greens and yeah. blues. And when that green gas starts coming out, it's this vivid, you know, almost Joker esque green it's like fluorescent. Yeah. Um. So it really, really sticks out. And he runs away, and we actually see, like, a couple of picked run after him, but, uh, like, he basically fires one shot, and then the pick just starts to cough, and then sort of collapses in the green smoke. So it's very clear what this is. Yeah. Uh, so, and, and I think it's, this is a really smart transition, I think, because it goes from him running, uh, obviously he's got, like, a mask on, so he's not going to breathe it in, but it goes from him running from the green smoke as he's just killed someone, and obviously we suspect it's going to cause a lot more casualties by the time it's done. It cuts to Batman. And Adam going to Batman to, uh, you know, talk about what's going on. And I think this is a really smart choice. I think this this is very intentional, that after he's committed this heinous act, which is not just killing someone, this, this you know, awful, you know, chemical warfare of, of uh, some of the worst tactics you can possibly use, I think cutting straight to the, the strongest moral we do not kill compass in the justice league as batman is a very intentional choice to make you kind of just like almost get whiplash from that to like batman's attitude you know and then to spend that scene where it's adam saving batman's life yeah but then you know like i mean even before that i don't want to mention out adam yelling i didn't do anything that that stung a little bit hearing him yell that out given what we just saw just seen and Especially as we've been working under the assumption that the the story we've been seeing is the sanitized version. Yeah. If that if that is the you know the 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 acceptable version of the story, how bad was it really? Well, to be fair, I think was I don't think it is the sanitized version in this case. It may still be. Maybe I'm wrong here, but I think that because this reports come out, I think what we see now from the flashback stuff in this issue is becoming less. You know. Uh, it's adapting to the yes. public perception yeah. because it, that's out in the public yes. domain now. Okay, yeah, no, that, that's possible. Yeah, it's adapting to what the public are actually getting now. So, especially as uh, you know, to, to get a little, jump a little bit ahead in the issue, Alana kind of owns up to it a little bit later. Yeah, it's like it's true, but this is what you need. Um, and again, still playing into the story I, angle of it. Because I think the idea at the start of the book is we were very like stuck on the idea that you know this is the version of events that are in his book. But I think as we're going on and more stuff is coming out, I think those changes are, are reflecting into what we're seeing in the, the flashback. Especially, because it's, it's still Doc Shinner, obviously, but it's not as bright and poppy as it once was. It's starting to get darker. It's starting to get... It's true. I, I do wonder if it's like, you know, like I said, this is 
it's still the story, but it's the story that's in the public domain, whatever yeah. that is at the time. So now that's whatever they've said in the report is the story. Well, like you say, Batman gets hit with a, a beam and Adam has to like grab him and fly him out of there. Uh, and notably, you know, Adam turns back and like shoots one of the picks and kills them you know, as he's flying off with Batman. Uh, uh, but then we cut back to the, the scene where they're basically watching the town as this gas infects the whole thing. And we see just like all these picks running out. And we don't, obviously we can't read what they're saying. It's all in this alien language. But they're all running and like gasping. And there's a full page spread to really get across the idea that this is thousands of people. Yeah, they say at least 25,000. Yeah. Uh, and they acknowledge that some people might be survived, survived a little bit on the inside just because of where they are, because, you know, maybe they had the right kind of mask that would have protected them or whatever. But we're seeing this, we're seeing this play out as Alana's on a news program, uh, which then sort of starts to intersect with Mr. Terrific in a bar who's also watching this news and hearing her spin this into, no, this is a time of war. We have to do whatever it takes to win. Adam did the right thing. And trust me, as this war goes on, you're going to be thankful that someone like Adam is on your side. And you know, this comes back to like an age-old story of like, you know, giving up who we are to win the fight. Is it worth it if we lose It's hard not to think of, I don't know, Bush going, well, they've got, they've got weapons of mass destruction. Hmm. Got to do it. Uh, you know, it, it, it definitely feels like some strong parallels. And, and especially given when king was in the cia that that wouldn't be surprising at all if that's very yeah. explicit what he's referencing here it, it was when the newscasters started talking after the interview was done and they started talking about how they kind of agree like yeah i want someone like adam strange on our side like yeah we need people like adam strange to win this because our country comes first or, you know our planet comes first more specifically justice uh, is all well and good but we've got to be safe first uh, and obviously as this goes on it's getting closer and closer on mr terrific and then eventually it's, it just the bottle of beer that he's holding they just like smash he just crushes it in his hand out of anger um, but notably, then it intersects back to all these people running, all these picks running, and then falling down this crevice, this pit that they have they have engineered. And you know, there's that great panel at the top of the page. It's like I think it's, we see we don't even see Adam flying away. We just see the beam of his jetpack in the middle Not panel. The middle one, yeah. yeah. And but the panel above that is like a pick with his hand out, and I'm like. They're making me sympathize with the pick here. They're, they're actually, they've went far enough now where I'm starting to feel like, no, this is, what Adam's doing was wrong. And it's going to be hard to come back from that. And, you know, when you look back, because there was a panel, when I was skimming through the last issue, there's that panel from last issue, which you'll remember when I remind you, of him sitting in like a morgue of all the dead bodies and he's just like, you know, he's just got his head down and he's like struggling and with the memories. The horror of it all. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I think deep down, all this does get to him, of course. And I think a lot of this this issue is him dealing with that guilt. Uh, yeah, I suspect the the denial of it being so strong is is part of how he copes with it. It's, yeah. like, it's the only way he can function. Is no, I didn't do anything wrong. Yeah. Uh, so really good stuff. And uh, terrific. Actually, starts writing a letter. He tapes up his fist. He's about to like do some you know boxing or something, but he goes to write down a letter. And we just we get this, we really get a start of it. We get dear Alana. Is it, is it not a bandage from where he's just cut his hand on the glass? Oh, you're probably right. For some reason, I took this as he was taping up his hand to punch a glove, or you know, punch a bag. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but whatever. Uh, dear Alana, I think there are a lot of lies going around. I think you're ready for some truth. And we have been speculating that there's some more to the daughter's death, to Aaliyah's death, than that she knew, even, right? For a long time now. So it's this seems like him hearing this, like her like rally this hard for, for him on the news, 
and the, the 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 atmosphere that is being engineered through these turn of events and how the public are starting to sway to this attitude has convinced him that she needs to be aware of what's going on maybe in the hopes that this will spar change between the two of them as a couple mm-hmm. and you know lead to something but this is this definitely motivates him to like reveal whatever this truth is that he has uncovered uh or speculates at the very least based on whatever he found so yeah it's uh it's it's getting towards the climax now for sure yeah, yeah. I mean, this is issue nine out of twelve, so it, it is. So yeah, it makes sense just by the numbers. But you, you, you feel it in the story. It is my, my yeah. point here. Because there's a scene where Adam and his stealth gear, uh, the uh, the allies they've got, uh, was it the the Helitat? Uh, yeah. They're just you know they're killing picked left and right, and Adam looks up in the middle of all this carnage, and he sees like a billboard. It's like a family photo of him, and he's red with his wife and his daughter, looking all happy. And he, he, you know, he's he's very angry looking up at this 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 propaganda essentially. Uh, in the midst of everything he's doing, um, and I actually thought the, I thought it was the last page of this issue. I was I was expecting to turn the page because I'm reading digitally, so I don't know exactly where I am in the book. And I was expecting that to be the last page. And then there's a whole scene with Superman, which was fantastic. Oh where God, yeah. They're, they're up, so they're up in the sky. It's got that sort of blue glow to the sky that, that all the Garrett sky stuff all has. The, all the lasers going on behind yeah. them. And they're fighting this giant picked robot that they've got this big mech. And essentially, this scene boils down to, and I, you know, we 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 saw this, we remembered this, which is Adam asked the Justice League to help with the picked war back early. You know, it was one of the flashbacks. We saw that he asked Superman and the League to intervene, and they didn't. And you know, the final part of this scene where he just yells out, "I begged you to help." You know, you're judging me for what I had to do to win that war, but before I did that, I asked you to come and help. I asked the Justice League to come and help do it properly and do it without, you know, any extreme measures. He was driven to that after he was refused help. Uh, so, it's, it's one of those things where you get to, even though I've been very much, like, against Adam's side for a lot of this issue, I get to that last bit and I'm like, he does kind of have at least one point here, where he asks for the, for the not the firepower, but for the, you know, the backing to make it go smoother, to, to make it something a bit more humane, if you will. And yeah, he was denied um... it. He did try. He he did ask for help. Yeah, and the book ends with uh, Adam and Alana in the, uh, the the flashback stuff, lying in bed talking about their daughter's first steps, and how they'll see her again one you know someday in another world you know after life presumably. And and this is where I'm questioning what he knows because the whole mm-hmm. time she's like, oh, maybe I'll just see her one more time. Uh, it's no errands, and he he hasn't said anything throughout this entire scene. Yeah, it's just her talking about or, or walking. Yeah. Yeah, and then, you know, he's just staring there, lying, you know, just staring up at the top. And he just says, you know, we'll see her again. There's another world. And I, I wonder, obviously, there's yeah, the the obvious, you know, it's, a, you know, oh, there's life after death. There's, it's it's some comfort in, but... Yeah, that's, that's how, obviously... the speculation of how we think maybe he knows more than she does. Yeah, I mean, and obviously, I said afterlife, because that's how it reads in a vacuum. And it, that's how yeah. it sounds to her in the scene. I mean, it it could literally be whatever deal he made for something to win this war or whatever involved giving her up to someone who took her to another planet. Like, literally another planet. <laughs> like, yeah. it could be that literal, what he's saying here at the end. It could. Which, I mean, how is Alana going to feel when she finds out, if, if, if this is remotely what happened, if this is remotely true, like Alana's reaction to this is going to be given how 
because she she was presented early on. We were so convinced that she was like the one running the show, effectively, and, and sort of conniving evil things. woman behind yeah. it all. Yeah. Um, and there's maybe some negative influence in the sense that she does kind of try and overly justify everything he's done a bit too much. Mm-hmm. So he's so he's you know it's kind of luring him into that that uh, that denial more. But at the same time, uh, she is under the impression that you know a lot of her hell a lot of her like animosity a lot of her like i'm sure she hated the pict before her daughter's death because they're already at war with them i'm sure she had very strong feelings but they could only have shot up dramatically after she believed they're responsible for her daughter's death everything mm-hmm. she is saying everything that drives her in the, the last several years is because of that that moment that incident so i can't like you know, I'm excited about seeing how it's handled, like seeing what this revelation is. You know, having her read this letter, having her confront Adam. I am. These scenes are. This is storytelling can sometimes be very passive, where I'm like, ah, oh, it's okay. Yeah, I'm having fun with it. I'll see what they do next time. But when storytelling is is really good, it's when there's in specific moments that I cannot wait to see how they tackle it. And despite all of it, you know, this I know that no matter what we're predicting, we're not there. We haven't quite got it, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, for, maybe she does know. Maybe, maybe Terrific's wrong. Maybe she does know the truth. It just she didn't know when he wrote the book, but she does now. Mm-hmm. Like I, I don't know what she does and doesn't know, and I don't know what it is that she does or doesn't know either. Like there's there's so much potential still for this that it's wide open. And of course, that means there's potential for it to be unsatisfying. That that's always the case. But when the rest of the story is being delivered this well, you kind of just put your faith in that. No, this 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 gaping void that that we're kind of swirling around, it's it's not going to disappoint us. Whatever it is, I'm sure. I don't think so, and I, I think it's because and King has proven this with uh, Mister Miracle, especially. But it's everything in this book, like yeah, all, all all the war stuff is cool. Like seeing like the Justice League fight the Pict and all that has been a fun backdrop to what's going on. But that's not what the story is about. It never has yeah. been. So all 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 this has to be is that Adam made a choice to do something, and as long as that choice has has a a repercussion and how Alan is going to see him and adds more to his guilt or more to his denial or PTSD or whatever, all of that. As long as it does those things, it'll be satisfying. It doesn't matter what the exact thing is. I agree. It, it, it's almost irrelevant. It, it's just about however they react to it is the important part of this story. So, obviously, ours. I mean, we mentioned some of the moments, but the colouring, the, the 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 contrast. Every damn issue. And I think obviously a big thing here is the colouring on Shiner stuff. Did Shiner do his own colours? I can't remember. Yeah, they both do. Yeah, they both do. Uh, but intentionally, the color palette of Shiner stuff is completely changing uh, as the story goes. It's, it's almost getting closer to the color palette of the Garrett stuff. It is, uh, but I love the color palette of uh, the Garrett stuff because even that's shifting throughout this issue. Like all the stuff with uh, with Adam is the you know these pale blues and greens, uh, you know, very muted. But then anytime it cuts to terrific, it's these bright reds and oranges. Mm-hmm. It's so you know you you feel the the emotion coming from him just in the color let alone you know what he's actually doing uh it's and it's you know i think there's one page where it is um a, t- a terrific panel at the top and bottom and then like a an adam panel in the middle 
uh, and it's just this stark contrast between them just really shows off that these these two men could not be more different right now. And I think it's also important as well that as much as Alana says, ah, you know, I mean, the Justice League don't like you and you won't be on the team anymore, but other than that, this is not a big deal. I think it's important to know that he does go to both Batman and Superman directly and tries to build a bridge with both of them. So clearly, despite what she says, he does care. He does care that Batman and Superman are looking down on him, that they are judging him for what he did. Yeah, that still matters to him. Yeah, so that, that is that's super important. So, yeah, uh, unsurprisingly, it was an excellent issue. <laughs> um, there's so much going on. I, I almost want to reread, like, all the issues before, if not the final one, maybe before 11. Like, and just sort mm. of be really kind of, like, have a solid footing of, like, remembering everything that's came before those last one or two issues. But, uh, We'll see if I have time for such a thing. But really, really good stuff, which keeps impressing. And it's one of these things, like, I, I can't believe how quickly I've I've stopped. Like, I still hate Heroes in Crisis and what it did. And we just talked about how the effect it's had on Wally earlier in this episode. But I, I forgave Tom King's involvement very quickly because the standard of book that he's typically putting out <laughs> is, is so off the charts. That despite any any failings he's had, which is you know maybe some of the the back half of his Batman run obviously uh, wasn't exactly all gold, and Heroes in Crisis. Um, right now he's putting out three prestige miniseries that are all firing on various cylinders for me. I think so. Yeah, I'm obviously a lot more hit or miss with them, but I'm always open to try them because when it hits for me, like it really does hit. When he yeah. misses. I mean, at the end of the day, I don't, I don't care too much. Heroes in Crisis being the one exception, because for the most part, okay, he's doing a book that's probably mostly out of continuity anyway, and fine. If I don't like it, that's fine. It's not for me. I just won't read it. Not a big deal. Heroes in Crisis is obviously a bit of a different exception where that had impact on shit I care about. Um, but like, when when it lands, it it it's so good. Yeah. Uh... So, what are you rating Strange Adventures issue 9? Uh, I'm just going to go with a 9. Yep, I'm also going to give it a straight 9. It's hard to really say anything else. Alright. So, uh, Patreon books coming up. Uh, every month on patreon.com slash TV at one of the higher tiers, you can make myself or Connor read a book of your choosing. Uh, one book, uh, Connor's last book of uh, the March batch. I mean, and this is still a March episode, even though the episode doesn't go out until April. Uh, but the car's last Patreon book to do is Green Lantern Season 2, Issue 12. Uh, Car did review the first few issues of Season 1 and then fell behind and then never cut up <laughs> for the show. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I, I tended to be like reading them like three or four issues at a time uh, yes. over the past you know year or so, whatever it's been. So despite the fact you've not talked about it on the show, you have read all of the preceding issues of this. So, I mean, if, if nothing else, jump in at the last issue to give your opinion of the whole thing is maybe the best time to do it so yeah it's it's gonna be hard to talk about this issue individually in a lot of ways because it is very much the culmination of a 27 issue run uh and you know in a lot of ways i mean it is more specifically a culmination of this 12 issues to be fair but you know this is the end of of morrison's tenure on the book and and sharps too uh, i say 27 because there was the three issue mini in between the two seasons with i want to say zamanico on art but definitely counted as part of the story and it is kind of essential so if you're if you're checking this out and you're like wanting to read this run overall 
do not skip that uh, Black Stars mini in between. It is an important part of the story. Uh, but even before I get to the actual story of this issue, just holy crap. Liam Sharp brings his game on this book. Um, uh, you know, I've, I've always been a fan of his art, but the last, I don't know, seven or eight issues of this series in particular, he has got experimental. And not just in one way. Like, each issue has been doing something very different to whatever came before. Um, this issue, uh, and, and to be fair, 11 as well, because 11 and 12 are kind of a two-part epilogue for a lot of it. Uh, the closest thing I can say to describe it is uh, it's, it's very much like Dave McKean's art for um, Arkham Asylum. Mm. Like that really scratchy, ethereal, surreal, kind of almost horror-esque, uh, you know, lots of like colors kind of going all over the place in kind of like, you know, strange lines. It's very much doing that thing, um, except for a Green Lantern story. And it's absolutely gorgeous. I just want to say, like, you know, uh, like there are, you know, there are other issues where he's done like, like painted photorealism stuff. Um, there's some stuff where you can tell he, you know, where he was trained in, you know, in, in, as a, as a British artist, you know, at a certain period of time from the, the influences that he's taken from those, uh, a lot of early comics that are like in, you know, uh, magazines over here, um, like just, you know, like, like comics that were like two or three pages at a time. You can tell he trained with those guys and those were big influences on him in some of these issues. Uh, and I do think Sharp is absolutely the hero of this book. And I, I love what Morrison's been doing. Uh, it's been a wonderful journey. Uh, but, oh man, Sharp's art, spectacular. Uh, but this issue, right, where, where to start to sum this up? Very briefly, the overall gist, there was something going on called the Ultra War, which was... Uh, basically, reality was at war with itself. Everything was at war. Uh, it, it was going to be you know, person against person, atom against atom, until eventually there was nothing left. Um, and it was seemingly stopped at the end of issue 10, but then it was like, oh, actually, maybe there's more to it uh, you know, here in the, these last couple of issues. But we are back on, I want to say the planet's called uh, Athmora, which was, I think, from earlier in season two. Uh, which is the planet, which is like the, the fantasy planet, basically. Uh, and it had a Sir Hal of the Lamp, which is what, which is what his, his, his name is there, basically. Um, and the concept of that planet is it was frozen in time by Abin Sur. Uh, not in a malicious way, it was the only way to save their planet uh, from something or other. Uh, so they, could, they couldn't advance any further. Um, but they were like just you know stuck there, but Hal basically used it over the years as a you know he never he never deactivated the thing that Abinsur did that could have let them advance again. He kind of used it as his own little place where he could go and be the the hero and just kind of let off some steam almost. Um, but in in this final issue, we're back to this this planet. Uh, he hasn't got his power ring because that was lost at the end of the the previous year. It was taken more specifically by the. The big reveal at the end of issue 11 was Hector Hammond is behind a lot of this stuff. Because of course he is, the big-headed bastard. Um, and a lot of Hal Jordan's typical villains are here on this planet uh, now, along with, with Hammond. Uh, you've got Major Disaster, 
you know, black hands here. Yeah, you know, bunch of others. Um, and you you basically have Hal without uh, without his powering. He has a you know a big green sword and a shield, and he has to fight through all of these. Uh, you know this this fantasy world to reach Hammond, and it's as he's going through, kind of realizing that you know he he probably needs to be better as well. Like it's, it's all well and good to, you know fighting the villains, but he needs to be better on a societal level and kind of advance things when he doesn't just have to. You know like he doesn't just have to fight; he has to actively try and be better. And you know there's a lot of clear stuff that that you know Morrison's talking about here. You know it, it's uh, for us uh, as as people, you know, it's it's all well and good, you know, you know us, you know, sticking up for someone when you know when they're in trouble. That you know, you know, to 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 think recently, it's all well and good, you know, oh yeah, we you know people donated to you know uh, Black Lives Matter charities and supported those those movements as they were happening, but that's kind of not enough. You know, we can't just oh, all right, you know, we did our part, you know, we 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 contributed when 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 it seemed like it mattered. There's an ongoing fight that we can all have to be present for in moving society forward and not just letting it stay where the problem is. And that's kind of what Hal's realizing as he's going through this. And it's all through this gorgeously rendition, this art. It's just fantastic. But he finally gets to, to Hammond and t you know, takes his ring back from Hammond. You know, the, you know, Hammond thinks he's got it and he doesn't. Of course he doesn't. And uh, you know, there's there's a, you know, there's a bit of fight, and you know, the the golden destroyer shop. I'm not even getting into all the golden destroyers. That's way deep into this run, too much to go into now. But basically, they're after a, an energy source, and Hal kind of you know offers them a deal. It's like, look, all, if we can synchronize multiple pa power batteries in like countless parallel universes, you will have the power source you always needed. And once you've done that, just go. Just go and do your thing. Leave everyone else alone. You've got what you need. Does that sound fair? And this, this is basically this. This will end the Ultra War. And so you have this fantastic, like two or three pages of Hal doing the oath, and going through all these lanterns on various Earths. Um, and we see a little bit of Earth Eleven, which was a big thing a couple of issues ago. Earth Fifteen's in there. Uh, all, all these big things, and you see, you know, uh, definitely bits where it's on the nose in terms of just what it's doing with the the ultra war stuff you see like an image of uh you know um kind of people in in uniforms and you know there's fire blazing and there's all like text boxes very different text boxes it it's very notably a twitter blue that, that they use for the the lettering of this where it's you know like saying oh i hate you why won't you die nazi turf you know it's all this just this twitter discourse something you know distilled into a single panel uh it's kind of impressive how that's been managed, if I'm being perfectly honest. Um, but then it's done, and and that they're leaving. They they you know, they 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 have their source, uh, and and they're gone. The Ultra War is over. Uh, Hal Jordan has once again saved the the universe, unsurprisingly. Uh, and and the very end is is he returns to Oa and talks to the the young guardians who we've had, or one of the young guardians. And how you know, the, you know the, there will be more that come after them. Uh, hopefully, they'll be wiser. Uh, and you know, we 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 were probably wrong to not trust that you could do this, Hal. You know, you know we we were eager to just try new things. As as let's be honest, the guardians often are like, oh, manhunters didn't work. Let's try lanterns. You know, they've always got something in mind. 
And it's very much playing with that. But ultimately, they're like, do you know what? We were wrong. We, we recognize that you kind of saved everything here, and uh, we want to offer you a promotion. Uh, it doesn't tell us what the, the, the promotion actually is. It doesn't get that far, because all it cuts to is Hal has turned them down. And he's off to, you know, explore. He, you know, he's, his, his ring is still a bit supercharged from Grail Energy. Again, stuff earlier in the room. And uh, there's a few other lands here that are like, hey, you know, you know they're, they're, they're like, their hopes of surpassing him one day and kind of, you know, rising up to his ranks as a Green Lantern. But then the final page is just him just flying off, going, you know, warping off to somewhere. And it, it, doesn't, it doesn't give us any more than that. Uh, it doesn't need to. Uh, it's just, that's it. Hal's done his thing. Is he off to do more lanterning? Maybe. Is he off to take a break? Could be, you know. I think the beauty is this does leave it open for Infinite Frontier uh, to kind of put Hal to one side if they want to, bring him back, do whatever they want with him. Uh, we we kind of we know he's not showing up immediately, but this very actively does that. And I, I don't think it was in this issue. I think it might have been in issue 10 or 11 where it made a point of showing Hal the future of the Lanterns. And it, it wasn't just the usual Lanterns. It was uh, Joe. It was Teen Lantern. It was that other one that's in the uh, the young adult or kids graphic novels, whose name I don't know yet. Uh, I don't know if you know it, Pete. Or even if you know the the, the, the Lantern I'm talking about. The one in the, the young adult graphic novels that's kind of been going recently. Vaguely. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, but a point that they're the future of the Lantern Corps, not him. And again, you know, it's hard not to see Morrison kind of being very semi-autobiographical here and kind of placing himself as Hal, being, you know, he clearly doesn't know if there's a, any place left for him in mainstream superhero comics. He's kind of, he's had his day, uh, as Hal has, but maybe now it's time for the next generation to, to come forward and, and they will one day rise to the heights that, that he has uh, and kind of tell their stories. Uh, there's, a, there's a lot of this book overall that, that very much feels like Morrison is saying goodbye to superhero comics and not in a sad way, but more just as a statement as to why he believes he's kind of run his course. Um, and not that he doesn't have any more stories to tell either, uh, but more just that he kind of wants to make room for those coming through and, and let those let those names kind of have the spotlight instead, um, in the same way that he's kind of given the option here to take Hal off the table. So there is no obligation to do a Hal book. We can have, you know, a, a Joe book instead, and you know, it, it can be her turn to shine now. Uh, and and all this stuff is is really excellent. Like this issue is a, is a fantastic issue. I think. I think overall, I think ten is the strong end to the series, quote unquote, because it it has the big climax, all the stuff with the multiple Earths, the uh, the Antimatter Universe, the Ultra War, all that stuff in that issue is phenomenal. And then these last two issues are very much Morrison's final goodbye, his epilogue. But uh, they're, they're so good. Um, I absolutely recommend this book uh, to, to check out. Um, just, go, just go read it on DC Universe Infinite if you have to. I mean, all of, I think all, up to about halfway through se season two is there already. Uh, you won't have long to wait for this, you know, six months for it to all be there. But yeah, no, this issue, it's like, it's probably a nine, which tells you how highly I, I, I rated like issue 10 uh, if if this was a nine and then that was the better end to the series. But yeah, yeah, great book. And 
again, shops up. Okay. All right. Well, I am reading Animal Man, issue seven. I was right. And also by Morrison, of course. Um, there's another one and done as far as a uh, story goes. There's a lot of these, uh, you know, we had a little arc for the first like three or four issues, but then we've, we've moved on to standalone stories. Uh, we start on a, a six panel page, just six, you know, very sort of tall panels. It's just white. And there's a splat of red. Could be blood. <laughs> Could be pain. It's such a Morrison yeah. opening to a book, isn't it? And then there's a two splats, then there's a more splats, and then by the time you get to the sixth panel, it's just all red. Right, that, that's your first page. Uh, I think the line work on this page, maybe the easiest line work that the artist has, has ever done. <laughs> because... I bet you, though. <laughs> you just know Morrison was ultra picky about where these splashes were. I'd, part of me even wonders, like, does it even need line work? I feel like you just, like, go to the colours and go, just splat. <laughs> just, 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 you know, flick some paint at it and call it a day. Uh... But, and I'm, I'm joking, I'm joking. But then we, we start, the next page starts on a close-up of red, uh, camera, as it were, pulls back and reveals a character who we find out is called uh, Red Face, uh, he's called. Um, but although that said, his mask is very red to it, uh, and I'm talking old-school red to it, you know, the dome style of uh The, the tall mask. one. Yeah. It's not quite as tall as that, but it's basically the same thing. Uh, just, I think, a little bit shorter. But, He's got up to the top of a building. Uh, the context for the, the first page is we see just as he's leaving the, the bathroom that the sink has a lot of blood in it. So he's been coughing up blood. Uh, and he's kind of coughing in his helmet as he's going up to the top of the building. And he goes to the edge and there's like a fire across the street. There's like clearly some chaos going on in the city, wherever he is. And he gets to the edge. He's standing there like he's about to jump off. And then there's like a hey. There's a full page spread. Animal Man's behind him saying, hey, don't jump, don't jump, don't do it. Uh, the story's called The Death of uh, Red Mask. I said Red Face, sorry. Red Mask. <laughs> I just I knew it wasn't Red Hood, right? I just like, it's definitely not Hood. It's not Hood. Don't say Hood. Uh, and then we flash back slightly uh, to sort of why, why Buddy's there. He's talking to Cliff on the phone. He's not been home in a, a few days. There's been some kind of weird alien invasion going on, uh, but there's these weird red robots going around the city attacking people and they're really old school like 50 sci-fi movie clunky not really efficient uh fairly easy to beat even the police are having a fairly easy time taking them down but buddy's helping he's, he's taking care of some of them he drops one robot into another robot and when i say classic i do mean classic i mean you know the arms are like the sort of the, the tubing that you get in the washing machine kind of look to mm. uh with the sort of claw hands and stuff like that he talks to the police officer for a little bit, but he says that you know, he needs to go home, he's not seen his family in a while, and he's flying away from the city when he sees Red Mask on the on the building. But the, the story really becomes about Red Mask, because he, he comes down, he tries to talk him off the ledge, Red Mask is coughing, and he asks, like, who, who, who are you? You know, kind of thing. And he's like, you don't know who I am? He takes off his mask, and he's like, like I'm Red Mask. You don't know who I am? I'm a supervillain. Come on. And he, he, he tells his story. He tells, like, you know, his origin, which is like a meteor crashed in front of him, and he touched it. And it gave him the death touch. And he always wanted to fly. Like, you know, he, he always imagined he could fly. He wishes he could. In fact, one of the first things he says to Buddy, which I thought was a really interesting response, was like, wait, why are you assuming I can't fly? <laughs> why, 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 why are you assuming this is a suicide? Why, why couldn't this be me taking off? You just assumed that I'm not a, not a flyer. Uh, which maybe in a comic book universe, that's a fair thing to say. 
but it's a really good line. Uh, it talks about how he accidentally killed his dog. Like, after he, he woke up from touching the meteor, he kills his dog by touch. And that's how he learns what his powers are. He's like, I didn't get, you know, super strength. I didn't get flight. I got touch of death. So, of course, I became a villain. Like, I can't be a hero with touch of death. Like, it doesn't work. So, he kind of, yeah, he had this partner. They made some money. But they were never really big time. They fought, like, a, a C-lister at one point. They, they fought Captain Triumph. You know, he says maybe he should have joined the Justice Society in his time, but, you know, it never happened. Uh, and it's just, it's just kind of, you know, story of regret and the story of, like, the, the hand it was, it was dealt to him. And it's a really sad story. You know, a robot almost crashes into him at one point. Um, and, because they're his robots, and he, he says, oh, that robot's going to explode in 15 seconds, so Buddy has to, like, throw it into the air. And he's like, look, you're not such a bad guy. And he's like, what do you mean I'm not a bad guy? I, I, I've got the touch of death. I, I, I you know, I, <laughs> I wear this silly costume. Um, I'm telling you th- all these things about how I've killed people. Like, what, uh, you know, does it, maybe you should change your line of work. You're clearly not that good at this if you don't think I'm a bad guy. Um, is all I ever wanted to do was to fly. And he picks up his helmet, and Buddy's like, look, look this is pointless, and it's getting depressing. How about you let me go talk to someone who can get you on TV, you can tell your story, you can be important, you can be relevant. Because, uh, you know, there's a kind of a sentiment that he's kind of upset that no one really remembers the way things were, that he's from this olden generation. And he even sort of, like, says, oh, I'm becoming one of these old men who talks about how the way things used to be. Uh, I hate those people. Um, and, the you know, the helmet drops, and we see it smash on the ground. And he basically says, okay, fine. And Buddy flies off. And the end of the issue is really dark, where he's walking to the exit on the roof, but then he sort of coughs a bit more, and turns and says, ah, screw this. And the end of the issue is he, he jumps off the edge and he says, I can do it, I can fly, I can fly. And he sort of has his arms stretched out as if he's like a bat almost. Going to fly. And there's a full page, white page, with just him and the infinite white flying in the corner. But then the dark page of what's really happened, and that he's just a splat on the on the pavement. And he's lying there dead, with just the red flowing from him. Just like the start of the book with all the red. Um, and you know that's the end. Of it. It's not the end of the book. There's still a couple of pages, but that's the end of the the story of of this. Um, but you know, it's just a little bit at the end with Buddy talking to a police officer, he helps out with a robot. Um, and you know the, the the policeman says as he flies off, you know, fly carefully. Um, and there's a cliffhanger because Buddy gets. It's like a, an inverted color page where it's like, it's, you know, it's like they, drew, they drew it in black and white, but they flipped the colors in a computer so that it looks uh, really, you know, strange. Mm. Uh, uh, it also has been drawn in white on a black page. and Which, given when this was drawn, probably is how they did it. Probably, yeah. Uh, and then that's that's the last page. It's kind of a weird cliffhanger, to be honest, to the point where it almost looks like it could be a cover. And I thought, is this maybe a cover? And then I went to the next page and went, oh, no, no, the next issue. Oh, the next issue, Mirror Master's on the cover, so I suspect whatever's happening here to him in midair is mirror-related. <laughs> that, that makes sense. Yeah, I'm going to go with that. Morrison uh, loves playing with you know, negative universes and yeah, yeah. mirror worlds. Yeah, I, I was just talking about the, uh, you know, uh, 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 oh, God, what's the, you know, the, the Green Lantern one that I just talked about. The Antimatter universe. Antimatter, thank you. you yeah, go. he loved playing with that. Yeah. Um, the main story here is it's kind of interesting to me how some of these issues early on have been very kind of focused character studies of not necessarily Buddy himself, uh, although of course it kind of informs 
uh, various things for Buddy, but just, you know, this old man who is just unsatisfied, because, you know, Buddy's very much, in many ways, a C-lister, right? You know, Animal Man is not a member of the Justice League proper. I mean, I know, obviously, there was yeah. there, there was the era, of course, where he was, but, uh, you know, he's not, he's not part of the A-team, uh, or even, even necessarily the B-team. And if it wasn't for niche, like, you know, when, when Animal Man came back for the New 52, it was like a it was like almost like an indie niche book in the in the lineup by Jeff Lemire. It wasn't like oh, oh Animal Man's back. Animal Man's got a big new book. It was, it, it was, it was kind of a big deal because it was oh Animal Man's back from Vertigo. Yes, but not because oh people are really craving an Animal Man book. Yeah, so I, I think this idea of like this old man who was like a, a forgotten supervillain who never really made much of a mark to even have any big fights with any villains. Uh, I, I think there is kind of a a sad kind of correlation that Buddy might see in him, that maybe one day he will have a similar thing. Um, but there's the ideas of regret as well. This, you know, him jumping off and saying, I can do it, I can fly, and him thinking that's what he's doing here at the end. I definitely uh, feel Morrison projecting, again, at this relatively early stage of his career, kind of projecting a little bit of, what if I never become a name? You know, what if I never yeah. get, that, you know, those big stories? Yeah, Morrison loves to sort of put some of them, and all writers do it to an extent. But I feel like Morrison is a bit more. Uh, he he doesn't potent. hide it that much. He he really yeah. does go for it. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot of sadness in this issue. There's a because it has, it has that thing where even though the guy's telling you he's a supervillain, you're kind of on Buddy's side when he says you don't seem that bad. Like it, it, you know, you <laughs> you feel like a. I think it kind of falls into that uh, thing that you see played with sometimes in stories where. You'll have an old man, and you'll seem like a sort of innocent old man because he's you know, he's old and weak now. But you don't know; he could have been a mob boss for like thirty years. Like often, people in alleyways, you don't know. <laughs> like, yeah, you know, it's almost like you can't fathom that this old, fragile man is used to be like the, the scariest, you know, asshole on the block kind of thing. Mm. Uh, so I, I think there's a little bit of that at play here, um, and and maybe there's a little bit of a fear of getting old here as well because uh, it's not even just because you know, he's sick as well you know he's he's, he's dying like effectively he, he's yeah. i can't remember if he specifies what he's got but you know he's coughing up blood he's clearly on his way out anyway uh and there's maybe a, an element of self-control uh to this where well if i'm going to go i'm going to do it my way i'm going to go out in my terms when i choose to uh and the idea of like sort of like almost tricking himself into thinking he's living his dream of flying in that final moment is again him just taking what he wants for himself and not letting fate decide who he is because that's ultimately the regret of his story is that he only became who he was because the meteor that fell in front of him didn't give him a cool power it gave him this shit power it gave him this horrible like tragic power and that's what led him down his entire path for once in one final moment of death and i don't want to say it's a pro suicide story or anything like that. that's a bit weird to say but there is kind of an element of like, well, you know what? I had no control in anything in my life, almost. Or at least it feels that way. Well, there's a truth and that's another question. But he's taking control at the end and saying, no, I'm going this way. Pro-suicide sounds wrong, but maybe you could say pro-euthanasia. Yeah. Yeah. Which is obviously a completely different argument that, you know, you could argue, that, and I'm sure many people have, that it is just suicide, but also... You know, there's a very specific point. Is like, you know, like you say here, he's clearly ill. You know, he's going yeah. anyway. This this isn't just someone giving up. Yeah, in, I, you know, when they're young. I think obviously, 
suicide just on its I mean euthanasia is a specific type right where yeah. if someone's just suffering and in pain and there's no life that they're ever going to have that they want uh, in that way then like like I, I, I'm not so, I'm someone who's pretty much like if you're in that stage and that's the choice you want to make if you're making it if you're coherent enough to make that choice sound of mind then I don't really have a problem with someone making that choice uh, and that's just a personal viewpoint like, everyone will vary on that but when it comes to like stories and stuff like obviously we read your know, comics we watch movies and there's often big dramatic moments where someone makes a choice to sacrifice themselves and no one ever really views it as like a suicide thing we kind of view it as oh it's like a soldier going to war who's making the choice to sacrifice himself for the good of people or yeah or whatever and we kind of accept that and no one really questions it or or whatever um, I think this is an interesting case where obviously this is a bit more in line with a typical suicide. I mean, taking out the supervillain and, you know, superpowers and stuff, but the idea that this is someone who is making this choice, I think the point is less, obviously, to justify what he's doing, but more to empathize why he's making this choice. And we understand it. And so, you know, when I say, you know, he's taking something from himself, that, that may be misconstrued of I'm saying, oh, I, I get why he's doing it and I'm happy for him that he's, he's, he's taking control in the end. I'm not saying I'm happy for him and this is the right thing he should be doing. It's a sad ending and, you know, Buddy was trying to help him in the right way, but ultimately... You understand it. Yeah, I understand why he's taking this and why he's making this choice. Uh, so, I get it. I get it. Um... So, you know, it's, 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 it's another good issue. That's another good issue. I can't, I can't deny it. It gets the, the the brain going and makes you think about what the character's doing. Um. So, I'm I'm very and you know, Buddy's self worth does seem to be a running theme. I think even the uh, the coyote issue as well uh, kind of played into that a little bit. So I'm very curious about you know. When we start to focus on Buddy again, presumably in a proper arc that will be coming sooner or later, I imagine, like, Buddy and how he views himself and his self-worth with his family and in the public eye are going to be running themes. Just the more it's been going, the more it feels like it's really tapping into some of that stuff. So, uh, no, really good issue. Again, uh, I'm enjoying the run. So, uh, issue seven... These are weird to rate. <laughs> the sequencing, like, the art obviously is a bit more simplistic than a modern comic book, but the sequencing and how it tells its story, the flow of the story is very, very strong. So, because of that, I think overall I am probably going to give this a 9. Uh, so there you go. That's Adam Manish for 7. That'll take us out of the part of the show where we pick our favourite stuff of the week, favourite pa- panel slash moment, favourite cover, favourite art, and of course we'll rank the books we read. I mean, top five, but right now there's always less than five books, so just we're ranking the books. Uh, so, starting off with panel slash moment, what do you have? Interestingly, I'm actually choosing something from Superman vs. Imperius Lex. Um, Go on. Which is probably a shock given you know, you know how little we really kind of delved into that book, but there's a, a panel early on where Suman just says, yeah, nobody deserves mercy. That's what makes it mercy. I just thought that was a great panel. And and as much as I love, like, Strange Adventures this week, because of, of course I do, uh, I, I only had a moment that stood out to me in, in the same way. Sure. Uh, I am going to pick Strange Adventures, I think. Um, 
Wait, am I? Oh, no, I'm not. I'm not. I was I was almost going to give it to the uh, the full panel of all the people running from the, the town. All the picked mm, running from the that's town. That's good. Um, I'm assuming uh, you're picking from Bat Cat. I am. Uh, I am going with the, the triumphant cat over the penguin. That is a glorious full page spread. Uh, it has a lot of meaning behind it, but it's just really well done. And I feel like sometimes animals can suffer in comics because it's like, you know, artists train for years to do humans because that's what they're they're drawing. That's what they're drawing most of, yeah. And that, that's what they have to have emote as well, especially. They have to have humans that can ex- express with their face. So it's uh, really impressive when I see some good animal stuff. So, uh, and I don't know, I'm sure some of the skills do transfer, obviously, but it's a bit different as well. So uh, that's that. Uh, best cover. Um, I, I suppose I'll just jump uh, in here. Uh, it's kind of easy for me, to be honest. I mean, the Two Strange Adventures covers are good. The only other one that I kind of i am looking at, uh, funnily enough, just having looked at them all, is the variant for Imperious Lex is actually quite nice. I liked it until I saw it. A bit bigger, and then I sure. didn't like the face. <laughs> okay, all right, that's fair. Uh, but well, uh, no, I'm going with the uh, Strange Adventures, uh, the the Shana one, which the is the, the stealth suit with the the pink poster behind him. Yeah, I think I'm uh, inclined to agree. Uh, yeah, that's just kind of the one that sticks out. So that's cool. Uh, favorite art of the week? Strange Adventures. Yeah, I'll agree with Strange Adventures overall. Although, I mean, Clayman was bringing it this week. Let it be said, the Clayman like, was definitely... I, I would just like to, to throw in, if we did count our Patreon books for these, which we don't, mm-hmm. Sharp would be... God, I don't know who I'd pick between them and, uh, you know, the Strange Adventures well, and Sharp. Well, you, you don't have to make that choice, it's fine. Uh, yeah, I'm glad I don't, but I just want to just really make clear how good it is. Uh, and I'm just ranking the books, on you go. I mean, Strange Adventures... Superman Imperious Lex. Flash. There you go. Uh, I'm number one is Strange Adventures. Number two is Batcat. Number four. Number three is Imperious Lex. Number four is Flash. There you go. But hey, uh, not a bad week, uh, all things considered. Uh, so I'll tell you what's coming next week uh, from DC Comics. So, the first batch of books from April, officially, we got Batman 107, so that should be interesting. Uh, Joker Harley Criminal Sanity Issue 8 is coming out. And I was enjoying that book. I wanted it to be clear that it was just the gaps between issues made it really hard to remember what was going on, which is the only reason why I stopped covering it on the show. Uh, I do look forward to reading all of that once it's all out. Uh, but I, I Those gaps are pretty intense. They're like three, yeah. four months at a time sometimes. Yeah. Because uh, I think I, I read like five of them, maybe? At least four. So... The fact that it's only on issue eight now, and I've not read one in ages, so that that gives you when the last issue came out. The the last issue came out. I really thought this might tell me at a glance. Uh, end of January, I think. Jesus Christ! Anyway, so yeah, Batman one hundred seven, Joker Harley Colonel Sunny issue eight, the Swamp Thing issue two is out next week. Suicide Squad issue two, Crime Syndicate issue two. Uh, I mean, I none of us read Suicide Squad anyway. Crime Syndicate. I think Matt was still in too, so we'll see. So we'll we'll see if he uh, was he still was he into that? Maybe he wasn't. No, I think he wanted to be into it and he was disappointed. I'm I think I'm misremembering. Uh, next Batman Second Son issue one is out next week. Now this is the the physical edition, which is the first three digital chapters uh, that have already been out for a while. Uh, me and Matt, and I'll remind Matt because he'll probably forget about this one. Uh, uh, at least at the very least, I will. But uh, hopefully Matt too will talk about this as if we read the physical edition. So. 
I just, uh. just want to make it clear. I'm not not reading this. I, I will be talking about it, it come issue two. It's only because I'm not here next week. Ah, sure, yeah, that's, that's what I meant. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, but we do have Green Lantern issue one, so we'll get to try out that new run, see how that is. Uh, curiosity. And we got Man Bat issue three, of course. Uh, another digital reprint. We got Sensational Wonder Woman issue two, uh, and the Dreaming Waking Hours issue nine is also out. Uh, so again, it's, it's a, again the, the number of books is certainly slim, especially since none of us are touching Suicide Squad. Getting up there though, like that's more books than the last couple of weeks for sure. Not in terms of what we cover. I mean, Green Lantern swap for Suicide Squad, but other than that, I mean. I mean, what, uh, next Batman's the only real thing added on to the actual list of books in terms of numbers? I mean, sure. But I think it, just in terms of just overall publishing, it still feel, it feels like there's a bit more coming out next week than there was the last couple. Oh, yeah, that's, I mean, that's true. But I think we're reading about five-ish. Uh, but, yes. But most of the stuff yeah. that you hear, I mean, uh, is... It's just, you know, stuff like the Dreaming Waking Hours coming back, whenever that was before, you know. This is sort of re-mixing yeah. in. Criminal Sanity is just mixing in a book that's been kind of missing for a while. So, you know, we'll see. We'll see. Uh, but that's what's coming up next week. Uh, I am looking forward to Batman and Swamp Thing, if nothing else, because I enjoyed the last issues. And Oh, and next Batman as well, because the next Batman story in Future State was really good, so I am looking forward to reading that. Mm. Uh, and I hope Green Lantern's good. I do hope. I really do hope. So... Uh, that is what's coming next week from DC Comics. I will take this time to thank our Patreon producers for the month, uh, which is, this is now the April list of names. Uh, Tyler Hess, Cindy Palacios, David Sharp, Board Now, Al Treisman, Christopher Moy, David Brown, and Stanley. Uh, and thank that last name there, Stanley, because Connor's going to have to read Harley Quinn with Riley That's Rosemar. who I have to blame for this uh, that's shite. A, that's who you have to blame. Stanley, you just made the list. <laughs> Hi, the Patreon producer list, which I just read out. It's a very, mm-hmm. very uh, prestigious not, list. Not the only list. Very prestigious list that you should all be happy about. Uh, you can, of course, support us over at patreon.com slash mailfuzztv uh, for as little as $1 per month. Uh, the $5 tier in particular is maybe where you're most interested if you're a comic from the multiverse fan, because that's where you get uh, the show a day early if you're at that tier. So go and have a look and see if you're interested in supporting the content and keeping everything coming. So go have a look. Uh, of course, you can support us for free by simply hitting the like button and commenting and subscribing on YouTube or rating the podcast like five stars and leaving a review on iTunes, whatever podcast platform you get the show on. Uh, or, of course, just by sharing us out on Twitter. Of course, you can find us at DC Comics Podcast. Uh, I'll also take this time to thank everyone who sent in their lists, the submissions for the top 50 DC Comics characters. Uh, there'll be a results countdown show later this month. Uh, we're doing this to celebrate hitting episode 250 and... Uh, our five-year anniversary, so that's coming up later yeah, this month. I really hope some of my list made it on. Well, I've already inputted all the data. I know who's won. I know what the surprises are. You know how little impact my list had. <laughs> I, I I won't lie to you, audience. I submitted a bit of a joke list just at Peter's expense. Mm-hmm. Yes. I regret uh, nothing. Yes. Uh, he thought he would just think of uh, 20 of the most obscure Green Lantern characters he could possibly think of. They're not all Greenlands. Like and most of them were. The, I mean, the... they were all lanterns. They weren't all green. Well, I, I, when I say Green Lanterns, I mean Green Lantern characters. So, like, yeah. like, like 20 out of 25 were Green Lantern characters. Yeah, the other five were just other lanterns. But guess who wasn't on there? Yeah, and we'll see how much of an effect that had when the results come in. Uh, which I have... I know what they are. I'm excited to do the episode. Uh, if, if if he is the top lantern, I, I quit. 
<laughs> so that is uh coming later this month uh and we're going to try our damnest to make sure all three of us can be on that results show uh but uh we'll see what happens if if, if, if we have to keep pushing because connor can't make it it may end up just being me and matt but we'll try our damn best yeah. to scheduling sure is a bitch when i don't have shifts in advance <laughs> but it is it's going to be april where you get those results uh so look forward to that uh, later this month uh, but yeah, that is uh, that is the show. That is episode two four seven. So thank you very much for joining us once again, uh, for comments from the multiverse. And uh, you know, we'll see you next time. So keep reading DC comics and remember to never get lost in the Speed Force. <laughs>